plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And I think we're going to have an episode this week. It depends on if the recording works. Uh, super sorry for being super sporadic lately, but uh, we are Cantrip Cartel. We are here to talk magic. Uh, but Matt, how are you doing today? Good enough. Um, kind of hung around. was pretty productive this weekend. Uh, did a bunch of stuff around the house. Played a video game that I can't remember the name of it, but it's kind of like a roguelike side-scrolling bullet hell game um fury unleashed or some shit like that i don't fucking know uh it was a lot of fun though i don't know how much i'll play it's kind of like so you're a character in comic books and so like each world is a comic book and at the end of it there's several bosses and then like like you fight one boss and then you go on to the second world right mm -hmm. when you die you start over once you've beaten all three bosses from world one you can start skipping world one and you don't have to play through it again you still can, but you don't have to. And nice. that goes on. There's apparently like three worlds. Um, it's got a, like a leveling up system, which <clears throat> you draw, you get XP when you kill stuff, you spend it when you die, and then you go in. So like the gameplay itself is good, which is why I was playing it. Um, the progression system, most progression systems in games like that, they just allow you to keep up with the difficulty curve. Yeah. So it's like you don't actually ever feel any stronger. You're just... yep. It, the, You're the fighting game, harder shit. The game is just mediumly difficult the entire time, unless you do a ton of grinding right. and get like ahead of the curve. Right. And then like the only cool thing, and it doesn't really matter because the numbers are so low, but you can get your critical hit chance up pretty high. But again, all of that, the game is just tuned around that because it's not even like you're using some like wacky combination of cool builds. You're just mm -hmm. going, yeah, I put all my talent points in critical hit. Yep. And the game. What's goes, it called? I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't even buy it. Well, I got it on that PlayStation oh, Pass. I say, must be must be a good game then, huh? Right. But it was a lot of. I mean, I played it for like five or six hours straight. Like I just kept playing it and was having a good time. Um, and then I was looking at RPGs to play because I was sounds funny. So I I re I'm now fully cut off from social media. I finally uninstalled Twitter and Reddit. Good for so you. So I have like no social media stuff. But that leaves me with the question of what to do at work mm -hmm. during my downtime. Yep. And I was like, oh, I'll just bring my switch back in. Like I'm more established there now. Like nobody's going to fucking say anything. Like if we're, if we have downtime and I'm playing my switch, nobody's going to fucking yeah. say anything to me anymore. You are no longer the <clears throat> new guy that's going to get, you know, shit on. Right. I'm the guy who I'm like, Hey, I want to demote myself. And they're like, no, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I really want to play uh dragon quest 11. Um, cause like the switch is great. Of games that don't require like high accuracy, high speed controls. And when they do, I just fucking can't stand it. The Switch controller fucking sucks. The Joy Cons suck. They yeah. are not precise at all. And it just drives me nuts. I tried yeah, playing Borderlands rough. on them. And it, so Borderlands, in and of itself, on a console is already a little rough because it's a first person shooter with a controller. Uh huh. And then you take the controller and make it bad. And like I played it for a couple hours and I was like, this is dog shit. <laughs> like I killed. Uh, three or nine toes, so basically oh, the yep. first boss. Yep, and was like, I think I'm done with it. Uh, good thing I only paid ten bucks for like Borderlands one, two, and the pre sequel. Yeah, so like that's why I did it, which coincidentally makes that like purchase number I want to say six for the first Borderlands, <laughs> and probably purchase four for Borderlands two. Uh, it's a good game though. It's I fucking well that's I'm just like oh, fuck. It's ten bucks for Borderlands. Borderlands one is like. 
one of my top 10 games, especially if we don't include like, like if we just lump the Final Fantasies as one of those slots, yeah. then Borderlands is definitely in the top 10. Yeah. Um, and I don't like Borderlands. The gameplay is better in Borderlands too, but like the story and the progression aren't as good and the setting's not quite as good. But anywho, it's neither here nor there. I was like, I need a JRPG to play because like it's just going effectively going through menus and moving around the world. And I was like, I'll check out Dragon Quest 11. And then I was like, oh, I should see if it's on PlayStation. You just get it for fucking free on that PlayStation Plus thing. 50 bucks for for it on Switch. I didn't buy it because I was like, I, yeah. I was like, I can wait and it, see we'll if this see. goes on sale. And I check PlayStation. I'm like, well, or I free. guess I'll go ahead and download that and maybe play just play Final Fantasy 7 on my downtime at work. Yeah, it's pretty awesome when you can just grab a game, though. Like, oh, I kind of want to play this. I'm like, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go buy it. No, I just play it for free. Yeah. Or well, you're what, twenty dollars a month? Or it was. It's like it's. I think around ten because I do it per year. Uh huh. So and it's not hundred and twenty dollars. I don't think I can't remember exactly, but it's it's like a negligible amount of money yeah. as far as a year subscription yeah. goes. And like, it just basically paid for it. Assuming I play, which from what I understand, Dragon Quest Eleven is really good. Yep. So. Oddly enough, I've got Dragon Warrior, which is the same thing. They had to call him Dragon Warrior in the U.S. up until, I think, I want to say either eight or ten, because there was another thing called Dragon Quest in the U.S. and they uh, didn't run, a, they didn't run, want could, to run afoul of copyright issues. Got you. So I've got Dragon Warrior seven for PlayStation. Then I've got, uh, I think it's eight or ten for PlayStation two as well. Um, so I want to try eleven and play that. Um, I've heard it's really good. Like the reviews were really good for it. The, it does the cool thing that Diablo does. So it's like, you know, they're not like high res graphics or anything, but it's yeah. got like modern graphics, right? Well, with just a button, you can just revert it back to effectively like Nintendo graphics. That is, I get that. It's that being super cool. fucking cool. Like if that was the, if that's the nostalgia hit, then that makes a lot of sense that that's what you're doing. You know, you get to jump it back to what it used to be. Like, I know that RuneScape is one of those, that, like, there's been a huge overhaul. RuneScape looks amazing. But you can also play, like, old-fashioned RuneScape with, like, the characters are, like, six polygons. And mm -hmm. it's it looks awful. But that's what RuneScape's supposed to look like. Yep. Oh, it's the same thing with, you know, WoW. Like, WoW looks like WoW. I yeah. don't want WoW to look like anything other than WoW. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, same thing with Final Fantasy XI. Um, the, the graphics on XI aren't great. But like the art design's fantastic, like all the armor and stuff, like mm -hmm. looks really good. They just it just doesn't have high res textures. Yeah, but they definitely made the most of what they had. Yeah, it, I mean, given how old it is, it looks fucking. It's over twenty years old at this point. Um, so yeah, so I did that. I haven't gotten a chance to play Dragon Quest. So I was really busy yesterday. Just well, so one of the reasons I was just listening to a podcast, and like I've known this the whole time, and I've even said it, and that's I before and i've obviously been trying to get rid of social media in general but like they were talking about it and they're just like yeah just the amount of time i waste on twitter is just enormous and mm -hmm. i was like yeah i know and like i was because i listen to a podcast when i'm going on my morning walk and i'm just like i need to fucking like i'll come home from work and just be on twitter and that's what i do for the day yep i'll have like you know an anime going on but i'm barely even paying attention to it yep and I'll just be on Twitter. That's and, my wife and I on TikTok. Right. And, and I'm just, just like, I got to fucking stop this. That's the dopamine hit we've chosen. Yeah. And so I was just like, I was on that walk. Like I just uninstalled it and uninstalled Reddit. And I'm like, I'm I'm done. I need to go through and just delete my account real quick. Just so I don't like go back to it. Is there, are, we, are we taking bets on how long it takes for you to reinstall Reddit? 
I'm I can see you walk away from Twitter cold turkey because it's fucking Twitter. But like you've been a Reddit guy since the day I met you. Yeah. Well, the the nice thing with Reddit is if I need to use it, you can just you just Google whatever you want and then put yeah. Reddit after you just, it. You can just access the any subreddit. Yeah. Like the, I you know I mean there was there was a couple things couple subreddits that I was a. Uh, a part of that were private or whatever. Yeah. But like the vast majority of them were just the public subreddits. Yeah. So it was just like, I can get all, if I need it at a glance or like in a pinch or whatever, I can just get it with a quick Google search. I don't need to have the app on my phone. Uh-huh. I don't need to have an account. I just need to go back to using it as, you know, a, just a store of information yep. and not just spend hours a day, just fucking reading forums. The problem is, so here's, this is why these things get me so much. I love reading but I really primarily like conversation. One of the reasons we do what we're doing. Well, if you like low quality conversation, Reddit's a great place. Right. Well, it depends on your subreddit. I guess that's true. You go to the wrong subreddit and you absolutely will get some low quality conversation. You go to a good one and you can have, you can learn a lot from people. Yeah. I mean, you go on there, it sounds wacky to say this, but like go on a fitness subreddit and tag Arnold Schwarzenegger and every now and then he'll reply. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, he's, he's actually like, he's on done, them. He's on them. Yeah. Like there are very, like Reddit is big enough and it's been around long enough that some serious people there, like professionals in their field yep. and shit like that are on Reddit. So you can learn a lot of stuff there. Well, it's very and respected I, too. Right. In some circles and in some ways it is. And yeah. then you go into other subreddits and it's just filth and garbage and just all kinds of stupid shit. Um, but I love, I love talking to people especially one-on-one conversations or small uh-huh. group settings. And I love, I like just listening to other people talk. It's my favorite part when I read books. Like I just, a lot of times I will, unless the action's written really well, I'll just skip over the action scenes and get back to the conversation. Yep. Or like at least like the, the actual story point. Cause I'm like, yeah, some fake character is swooshing his sword at some other fake character. And unless if it doesn't suck me in, yeah, then that's kind of the line. Like I will let it. It's not like I'm just flipping through oh, looking for you. dialogue. But like if I'm not enjoying it, I will skip it and just go to the dialogue. And I love fight scenes in books. Well, good, obviously well-written. Like they're, yeah. they're, I was talking about well-written fight scenes, but it sounds like you don't really like the best written fight scenes. I just I like, have a good, pr- I like a good fight scene. Well, it's the same thing in movies. Like I, there's a lot of movies that I should quote unquote should like that. I just, um, I have a very high standard for like what entertains me. Uh huh. And like a, a perfect example of this is like I was and to this day am a huge fan of the first Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. Got some of the best choreographed martial arts scenes I've ever seen in a movie. And I watch a lot of fucking movies. Yep. Go to Matrix two and three and the the action in for the most part is just boring as fuck. And it's one very simple reason. Like they do, it doesn't look not necessarily that it looks like it's too stylized. It doesn't feel visceral and real. Mm-hmm. So like in the first Matrix, when they're punching each other, it feels like as a viewer that they're like punching each other. When you watch the second and third ones, it looks like a dance. And that's one of the reasons why I love like the John Wick movies. Like the action, the choreography there is really fucking mm-hmm. good. Um, another thing, this is one of the things that I would critique the John Wick movies for. I don't like CG blood. It looks real it, fucking yeah, fake. I'd... I want real blood squibs. And that's the problem. They don't. They problem is they don't use them because they're very. They're much more difficult to do, uh-huh. and they're unreliable. So, like, if you go to shoot somebody and you're shooting the scene, and the guy pulls the trigger, and blah blah blah, you do your shooting, and then the squib doesn't fire. Now you have to reshoot the whole fucking yep. scene, as opposed to this guy pretends he gets shot, and we'll do it in. Yeah, post. it's fine. So, like, we're good. Um, little stuff like that, like 
will take me out of a movie. Same thing out of a book. Like the big thing with action scenes, especially in a book, are stakes. I have to I have to give a fuck about your characters. Uh-huh. Like it's pointless to have action before I care about your characters because I'm like, oh look. <laughs> Like, I don't even get to watch this. It's literally just words on a page about characters. I don't care about doing things. Okay. Yep. Like, um, and it's the same thing with video games, too. Like, you can you can kind of tell when you're playing a game. And, like, a good example of this would be, like, the Bloodborne or Dark Souls games where, like, the hits feel like they have weight. Yeah. And a lot of that sound design and, like, feedback with your controllers mm-hmm. and all kinds, like, the visual cues and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff matters. Whereas if you play like a Dynasty Warriors game, you're just like swinging your yeah. sword and like you've got a bunch of paper targets effectively that are just they go flying and they do stupid shit. And like it looks cool and it looks pretty, but it's not like visceral. That's how a lot of action movies are now where like it just look they're more Dynasty Warriors than they are Bloodborne as far as the action goes. And it just it it will literally put me to sleep. I don't know where that recording ended because the universe hates me. Um, so continue, Matt, making noise with your face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we were just talking about like, uh, heavy hitting action scenes and stuff like that. Like the difference between like visceral action and the behind the scenes floaty nonsense. I've completely uninstalled and reinstalled the software we record the podcast with because I don't know what to do next. (laughs) Jake's over here losing his shit. (laughs) As Matt said, nothing changes. Nothing moves. Everything in this room is in the same place. It's it's all the same. Yep. We turn the computers off, walk out of here, and we don't even turn them off. They just go to sleep. So, anywho, um, let's see. About the only other thing I did, like I said, I was I was uh I've continued to um decorate the game room. Um, I talked to you briefly about it today, but I'm probably gonna put try to put together some sort of a gaming group again. Um, it's been a while since we had that. Which but I'm very excited about. I'm, I mean, I have so little time anyway, but I can probably scrape some time away from Tarkov to yeah. come play. <laughs> well, you're welcome to. If not, that's fine. Uh, I'm I'm a very low pressure friend. I think you can attest to that yeah. pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm getting to the point where like I want to find a couple people that are worth hanging out and hang out with them once or twice a month, something like that. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough starting with zero people like that and working your way and getting to a it group. is. I wish I had like two people I knew really well that were worth playing games with, but I just don't. Unfortunate, one of them passed away recently. Dude, like my whole fucking friend group is dead or gone. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, my roommate moved, and Alex, I haven't. Alex dead. Derek dead. Like, <laughs> Mike moved. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've managed to beat him out through attrition. <laughs> It's all about playing the long game, man. Yep. So I don't have to be the best. Just got to stick around the longest. Yeah, that's got to be what's left. Well, when you, well, the weird thing is this will sound morbid as fuck, but with Derek, like we've been together, we've been friends for like since second grade. Yeah. And he, he still managed to pull ahead at uh, the end. <laughs> yep. so, I got like, some catch up to do, but I'm gaining ground yeah. quick now. Now all you have to do is outlast me, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> Which, I mean, you're younger than me, so. You're gonna have to come yeah, to my but I funeral. Take way worse. Care Think of about that. You're gonna have to. You'll probably have to come to my funeral. I won't probably. have to go to yours. You know, God willing. In all reality, if you, unless you leave instructions otherwise, Sarah will probably be the one who embalms you. <laughs> if I told you Sarah is adamant, this should be the one who embalms me. I she, guess I, it is non-negotiable. I don't want anybody to fuck it up. Those are her words exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, I get that mentality, but like, I could not do that for her. Not to mention the flips, like. Fuck what up? You're already dead. 
I it's know. It's not but... like you're. It's not like she's a surgeon and she's now, gonna save your life. <laughs> to argue a little bit, she has shown me some pictures of like of of bodies that other funeral directors have like thought were prepared. Yeah, and it's like wow, that was gonna be. I mean, it's not. It's a funeral, but like there's a lot left on the table, so to speak. Of oh how... yeah, there, there's definitely. I don't mean to demean her profession. There's definitely. Plenty you can do if you're having like an open casket funeral. Yeah. There is definitely a skill gap. Yes. Yeah, there is. <laughs> between what you yep. maybe want your deceased yeah. uh, family member or friend to have to look like and what you have. Some people are technically able to do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what people are what people are capable of presenting. Right. Uh, me, I've always said just throw my body in the dumpster. <laughs> Republic can come and get me in the morning. Science, scientists could use it, I'm sure, for something. Just know. chop me up in a few pieces and chuck, throw me in. If anything, I know there's some colleges that like to bury you in fields and see how slowly you rot away. Yeah, like, whatever. I'm done with this body. I'm not using it, well, using it anymore. So, like, Sarah and I have talked about, she hates when people are organ donors because the committee that harvests from them are pretty rough on the bodies. Yeah. Which... I see both sides of the coin where it's like, hey, you could be a little more respectful. And to them, they're like, it's just, we're just, we're harvesting parts. Right. But I'm very, like, I'm an organ donor and I will always be because, like, I don't care. And she's like, you know, oh, they, they, you know, the, what they do, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't, I don't care. It's completely useless to me. Mm-hmm. I understand it makes her job much harder. That might be part of it. But I, she's told me, she's told me some stories of like, they're trying to, I'm not trying to like insult anyone in there, but like, they're relatively, uh, they do a lot. <laughs> Well, they're they're trying to get the organ out, and they don't care about anything but that organ yeah, or nothing those else organs. Nothing. And like, here's the deal: like, if I have to rip your chest open to get your heart out to save somebody's life, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Yeah. Because you're a corpse. Yep. And that person may not be. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not gonna be super gentle, and I'm probably in a hurry because yeah, you don't have very right. long before those organs start yeah. to push the fish. It's about to turn. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going bad by the second, yep. Jake. But I'm very much the... Uh, you think you're spoiled now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be cremated just because I have no need to take up, you know, a six by four chunk of dirt for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. And I have no... Just, I don't care what happens to me. I'm sorry, y'all got to deal with it, but it's not my problem anymore. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about the whole, like, cemetery plot, that kind of thing. Like, I 100% get why people want it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I do. Well, you can get, and they like, there's plenty, like, you don't have to have a funeral plot for your grave. You can get a funeral plot for your urn. Yeah, I know, but like, and like, I get, because there's, there is something to be said for a place of remembrance, a, a, a place that the family can come to. Like, there's something to be said for that. But if anything, I would have a small little plot or a small little memoriam with my urn, which a lot of those I've seen are even above ground. Yeah. They'll put a like a marble little tiny, uh, what's a mausoleum basically, above ground in a spot. And that's where the urn is, which the nice thing about that is well, it'd be easy to move later. Because, I mean, for being honest, I, like a couple generations out, no one cares. Like, I've never been to my great, great grandmother's funeral I never or grave. I never will. Yeah. Unless you actually do something with your life. Most people don't get it. No, no. I understand that your children would appreciate somewhere to grieve. Your wife or your your parents, heaven forbid, would appreciate someone somewhere to grieve for you. You get a couple generations out, you're probably done. Yep. At that point, I'm okay with being being picked up and maybe put somewhere. Put in a closet more under efficient. some dirty clothes. <laughs> sea yep. burial. Just throw me in the ocean. That little bookshelf over there I've got is uh, got the remains of three. 
Well, no, Alex Tech, I don't have any of Alex. I've got some of his stuff, but I've got like Derek's asters and then I just put Sid's, Sid's ashes on them. Because, oh. yeah, it wasn't enough that I lost yeah, I know. my friends. My dog also had to die. <laughs> he died first, though, didn't he? Uh, he died between Alex and Derek. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Alex and Derek were about a year apart. Yep. And then Sid was in between. He was a, he was a good uh, a good icebreaker in between. You thought that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was basically. No, actually, he died after. He got diagnosed after Derek. Did he? Yeah. Was it that? Was, did Sid die that recently? Yeah. Is hmm. uh, I guess time flies. Well, he got he got diagnosed, and then we we kept him around for. Well, like he was happy. Months. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Still, he was chugging along, doing fine. The only, I mean, the only reason that we put him down, like when we did, is the tumor had gotten so big in his mouth that he basically he like ripped it open while he was eating. Yeah. It, it like with a tumor like that, it won't stop bleeding. Yeah. So once it. Basically, once it got ripped open, like he wouldn't bleed to death. Well, he's a miserable now, though. Yeah. Well, he's just going to constantly bleed. Yeah. Like, and like it's going to get infected. And yep. like, there's just no way to keep that clean. And his, there's really no way to get the bleeding to stop. His quality of life is going to take a severe downturn immediately. Yep. But he was still chugging along with that yeah. fucking ma- se- massive tumor on his face. He seemed happy. Yeah. And to be fair, we also had him hopped up on drugs. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> So that goes a long lot. way. Um, it's amazing what you can do with drugs when you don't care about the long-term consequences. Yeah. I with, we did that with horses too, where it's like it's like, well, you can't really give him this very long, and it's like, I well, he's dead as soon as he stops taking them. So, yeah. so well, and I I had actually looked this up because I was curious. This is a weird place for this pod- podcast to go, but I was like, why can't humans take flea and tick medication? I didn't know we couldn't. Well, you can. Strictly speaking, but what it does is it does a ton of damage to either your liver or kidneys. Does but it do over that the, the course, dogs too? They don't live long enough for that to matter. Oh, it's like it's a fifteen year damage. Yeah, it's a fifteen to twenty year damage <laughs> rather than a ten to you know. So we're talking 15. about social media that you need to stop using. I mean, me and TikTok. I saw a TikTok and it was it appeared to be two sciencey people, so it could be fake. But it's a funny but story. But they were no matter wearing what. white coats. It was no, it was just two dudes in suits. <laughs> but it was talking about um. It was like how uh, lung cancer isn't even as big a problem with smokers anymore because heart disease kills them too fast. Yep. And he was saying like if heart disease killed them a little bit faster, smokers, uh, cigarettes could advertise as being preventative, uh, lung cancer preventative. Because <laughs> he was heart say, disease because, kills you before because the cancer so does. Ba- smoking was so bad for your heart that the most smokers die of heart attack apparently yep. before, before lung cancer can kill them. Yeah. I mean, that's smoking... Uh... That's, I mean, my dad's living proof of that. Like, yeah. fucking smoked on and off his whole life. But just the premise, yeah, it's like, yeah, when and you have a 20-year problem and a 12-year lifespan, it's well, fine. You don't have a problem. Or even an example, you like, your dog. Lifespan. Like, yeah, this is, gonna, this, this is an 18-month problem. It's like, well, he has six months to live. So <laughs> that problem's right. fine. Yep. It's, it comes with a built-in solution. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't know when or if you even wanted to talk about it, but... This just popped up in my head. Uh, the EDH guy, Sheldon, yeah. passed away. I don't know if you wanted to bring anything up, but like, I wasn't a huge fan of like his takes. Oh, I hated him. Like, I, my my wife and I used to. I would jokingly talk with her on the couch at night about how um, the like some of the cards that they banned that he pioneered banning, like just the dumbest decisions possible. The most recent one I remember was when he banned Hole Breacher, or at least when the committee banned yeah. Hole Breacher. Not like Sheldon stood there with a fucking iron on an iron throne and. 
But when the committee banned Hole Breacher, and like my Hole Breachers went from being like 30 bucks a piece to 20 cents, and I was really upset about it. I don't appreciate them t- doing, making decisions like that. Um, but like, I appreciate I know what you're going to say, and by all means, say it. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing is like EDH probably wouldn't exist without him. Yep. And if it did, it'd probably be different. Like, the fact of the matter is, he was one of the OGs who started uh-huh. it. Uh huh. And that's fucking awesome. And it's yeah. by far my favorite and, magic format. And I'm obscenely appreciative to him for that. Yep. And but, while. I vehemently disagree with a lot of the ways he ran the committee and um, the decisions he made. I would never wish actual um, ill will upon him. I would never. I don't know the details. Apparently, he had a quite a like several year long battle with cancer. I did a quick Google. I saw that it was seven years. I saw that he'd been fighting throat cancer for seven years. And like, of course, we both of our hearts go out. That was the first thing I said to Matt, where I was like, "Hey, you know, hear Sheldon dies." Like, yeah, I just saw that. Didn't really agree with him, but I'm really sad he died. And it's like, me too. I yeah, it's very, very heartbreaking to hear that he passed away from something like that. Yep, or for any reason, really. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't have much to say on it other than like, yeah, my heart does go out to his family. It's terrible to have to go through something like that, and I greatly appreciate the legacy. Haha, he will leave behind. Yeah, that's I pretty I'm pretty sure no matter what happens, I'll probably never stop playing Commander. Totally. Yeah. It, well, the, there's no reason to. Like, yeah. Like I, I one of the beauties of like I having never, a casual format. I never built another deck. Like the decks I have, I love and I have fun playing them. And if they if they don't change for ten more years, like I'll probably still always love to play Muldroth. Like Tatiova, I like I'll always love to play Tatiova. You know, eventually Tatiova will be a tier six deck, but I'll, I'll get to play her a lot more often. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's. Our our hearts go out to the family and and thank you very much, Sheldon, for the work you did. Yeah, but yeah, that's all I had. I didn't really have, like I said, I was mainly just doing prime like stuff around the house and just work, mm-hmm. like I worked all obviously worked all week, but didn't really do anything yeah. to report. And to be fair, was still using still on Twitter. Oh yeah, so yeah. like really wasn't doing anything. I'm almost done with Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, tried watching One Piece. Didn't really enjoy it that much. I with all the hype coming from the new One Piece live action, which I'm so so on wanting to watch. Don't, I kind of want, huh? huh? <laughs> Everyone seems so to love it, dumb. dude. I watched enough One Piece. I watched like probably 20 episodes of One Piece. Right? Uh-huh. I watched one episode of this live action thing. I was like, this is garbage. Holy shit! I've seen a couple scenes on TikTok, and the acting did not look very good. It's, it it's the best, most polite way I could say, like to describe it would be just amateur hour like yeah. it just it does not have the polish of like an actual good tv show it gotcha. looks like a fucking it's the acting is like if you're watching like a youtube thing yeah it's, it's just fucking bad like i saw this scene where zoro fights the master swordsman mm-hmm. in the show and i don't remember what his name is like and it, like the scene was fine and like the fighting scene was okay but yeah it just didn't look and it didn't look like what I expect a it didn't look fucking anything like The Last of Us. And I don't know if it's fair to draw lines between them because Last of Us maybe was made by a better company or a bigger studio, but like The Last of Us is what I expect in terms of acting quality and production quality from like a big popular TV show, essentially, or a short series. And this show is getting the hype of a big popular TV show. And the couple scenes I've seen did not did not feel that way to me. No, it's it was just it was really bad. Like no. I'm, I'm not. It has made me want to start watching One Piece again because I've watched probably several dozen episodes of One Piece intermixed scattered. Because I used to watch it on TV. Yeah. And so I've seen bits of One Piece here and there, and that's 
it's acclaimed as one of the better animes ever. I believe it's one of the big three. I think the big three are like, so like, I think Dragon Ball Z is like the first, like Dragon Ball Z is like the godfather of anime. And then like the big three are like Naruto, One Piece, and the other one. There's like, uh, there's like a relatively respected big three and it's Naruto, One Piece, and someone else. Mm -hmm. And they're, and like, I kind of want to watch it. The problem is there's like 900 episodes. Yep. For better or for worse. And motherfucker still hasn't found the One Piece yet. And like, I don't, well, supposedly, did you hear all the rumors? This was like six months ago or whatever on, on TikTok, but like all the rumors were like, oh, now it's started. Like now we're like everything up to now. I guess the writer, whatever his name is, has like he basically implied like we're done with the pre-show. Now it's ready to start. Yeah. I have no interest. Like, so I should say this. So I one of the things that's cool about that kind of stuff is if you like it, you have 900 yes. episodes of content. Which it's basically is, an infinite content stream. I mean, that would be like that would be like if Jim Butcher came out and was like, "Oh, hey, by the way, I've actually written the next twelve books of Harry Dresden, and I just never published them. They're all ready." And I'd be like, "Oh, right, that's amazing." I would love to. I'd love there to be twelve more. You know, a thousand hours of Harry Dresden. The problem is, most you could, without a doubt, probably trim oh, six hundred yeah. of those episodes off. Yep. And that's one of the things I noticed. I mean, there's a ton of fucking filler in One Piece. Uh, like, oh, I'd get I, I without even looking into it, I guarantee I would get a watch guide. Yeah, dude, best decision I ever made for Naruto Shippuden was getting a watch guide. Mm -hmm. That Naruto Shippuden was amazing. If you just skipped all of the, like, I don't mind character development. I don't, I don't mind developing Sasuke's character or, or uh, an episode that's just about Naruto developing him and Kurama. That's fine. But the like the jumping back to the village hidden in the leaf so that Konohamaru can save more cats out of trees. Let's skip all that. I don't need any of that. And you like skipping all that for ship it in. It was an excellent, excellent decision. Yeah. The one piece is like bleach bleach. is The other one it's, I think I believe it's bleach Naruto and one piece are like the Holy Trinity of OG anime. I just have like those animes to me are exactly what I don't want out of an anime. Yeah. And like the full metal alchemist arc is like, in my opinion, about as long as an anime should be. Yeah, I think it's like sixty episodes. Like that's it's like perfect, and even like I'm I'm on like sixty, sixty one. Like I think it's it's like mid sixties because I'm on like sixty, sixty one, something something like. Oh, you're that. about done then. Yeah, I'm almost. Oh, so done. you're in the final fight, right? Okay. Um, well, I'm sorry I, I gave you a bunch of spoilers. <laughs> fucking, I don't care. I, I mean, I've already seen. I already watched the original Full Metal. I know it's different. I but think like, the ending diverges quite a bit. Yeah, but like it's whatever. Um, but like. I could cut probably 10 episodes just out of the middle in one whole fucking like chunk. They go to that, the North, the Briggs place. Yeah. Almost everything there is just fucking useless shit. Most of it. The vast majority of it. Yeah. It's, well, it's like they have a very well established world, right? In the Full Metal Alchemist. Like by, by that time, the world of Full Metal Alchemist is very well established. The towns you're in are pretty well established. And all the characters we interact with are pretty well established. And then they give us a brand new world, essentially, with a brand new host of characters. Yeah, two thirds of the way in, they're like, by the way, here's. A yeah. And they rush through in the course of like seven or eight episodes, trying to develop and flesh out all these characters that just just out of nowhere, poof. Yeah. Like, do something else there. Yep. Like, I don't even mind that the episodes, like, if it's still going to be 60 something episodes, sure, put something else there. Yeah. Like, I just, that I fucking, I 100% just kind of started tuning that sh shit out. And once they got out of there yep. well they also split up the cast like, i know they just like pfft, scatter them to the wind like so now we're in fucking like five different locations and i'm like well that oh was my god that was like one of the most endearing characteristics the whole point of film alchemist is ed and al 
like that their relationship is what carries this show. And then midway through that, we start they start breaking up. And it's like, well, I'm watching this for Ed and Al. Well, not only that, but now in order to progress the storyline, it takes twice as long. Yep. Yeah, because you're only experiencing half of it at a time. Right. And and that's when they just split it between Ed and Al. Then they introduce multiple factions. Uh Uh-huh. And you're like, five minutes of in-show real time passed in this 30-minute episode. Yeah. Because it's all cuts. It's all a five minute cutscene from the north. Yes, a five minute cutscene from the east. Skipping. Yep. And the same ten minutes happened, and I'm like, yep. fuck off! Like you don't need. That's one of the things that Dragon Ball Z got really well. Is like they everyone stayed together pretty much, yep. and like you, it got a little annoying because like you know when fucking Goku was fighting Cell or Boo or whatever. Like you've got six characters whose job is to comment on the fight. Yeah, yeah, they're just standing there talking. But yeah, they- the alternative is. Those people just get scattered to the wind, and then every five seconds we're cutting we leave from Goku. The fight. Yeah, we leave the fight. So, yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff just drives me fucking nuts. So, so again, I I mean, see, like when you get to the finish, finish. Like, if you have, have they finished the fight yet? Um, so he's he has done the ritual. He fucking like absorbed all the energy and shit. Um, then Hohenheim pulled his little trick thing or whatever with the like. I've secretly been the, the basically the Deus Ex Machina where he's it like, was cool to me that like the way like what he's the the way he came to terms with what he did was he like he preserved the psyche at the yeah. best he could of all the souls inside of him. That was kind of a cool. That was a twist I did not see coming. And like that was he was getting revenge for them like name by name. I thought that was a pretty cool thing to do. I never seen I, Deus Ex Machina. So I, don't, I don't. Those references always go well, over my head. Well, that all that means is it's, it's God uh, outside of the basically it's God outside of the machine. I think. I remember correctly, but the point of it is, is something outside of what the, um, the audience and the characters know basically comes in and saves them. Okay. So it's, it's kind of, I mean, doc, doctor who is like the perfect example of it. Um, but there's many others where it's just like, so like, there's no, there's no way for the audience to know that was happening. It's not like they were hinting at it. Like, yeah, he kind of travels around, but at no point did it go like him. Did it show him like doing anything? It's just, Oh, by the way, I waited till the last yep. second after for, you became a god to do this. For a thousand years, I've been sowing the seeds of your de- of your demise. Right, and I'm just like, I think just there's like, like there's well, the one he did scene it was cool, but like, there's one scene they show him like cutting his hand and his blood goes into the ground. Right, like, like, like and that's like a throwaway scene, like the middle of the show, and it's like the like, Hohenheim's doing something, but I don't know. Yeah, and sure as shit ain't taking care of his kids. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem. So here's the problem. He's doing two things. He's he's apparently doing something with his blood and abandoning his children. Yes. <laughs> um, the problem is like most of this stuff you have set up and payoff, and effectively what a Deus Ex Machina is is just the payoff. Uh huh. And it almost exclusively is used to get a writer out of the corner they painted themselves into. Yeah. So like. And that's basically what they did. Yeah, instead of telling a story of why we had the solution, there's just a solution. And anime in general does it a lot. And what they do is they do it and then they go, they they like rewind and have the guy tell exactly what he did yep. as opposed to like break from it through and try to let you figure yep. it out. And it's just like, come on. Which is exactly what they did in that scene. Correct. And it was just like, like what he did was cool. I didn't have any issues with the way like it played out as far as the story goes. Mm-hmm. You could like... Perfect example. You could have just taken that, sprinkled it through, and maybe not make us hate Hohenheim so much during the whole fucking show. 
Well, like, may, it's not enough that he he's not out there just doing nothing. Yeah. yeah his redemption arc was just like Al likes him. Mm-hmm. And then Ed Ed decides he doesn't hate him anymore. Right. That was his entire redemption. His redemption arc is he shows up. Al accepts him immediately, which whatever. And then Edward's like, eventually, like, I guess I don't hate you entirely. Right. Sure. <laughs> yep. That's I. I Yeah, I know. I was I was really when when, when they reintroduced Hohenheim. Like as a, like a, a a living person who we're gonna get to know, I was kind of excited for his redemption arc. To like, where has he been? Like, there's gotta be there's there's a good reason he abandoned his children and wife who died waiting for him. Mm-hmm. There's a reason, and I'm excited to learn it and to see what's going on. And we never got that. We saw him helping to rebuild that one town with the preacher in it. Yep. And then he's just a part of the group. <laughs> right, and he's just here. And and if I'm if I remember correctly, isn't that the first time like Al's seen him since he left? I don't remember. It's either the first or like the, it's like the first time he gets to have a legitimate conversation with Hohenheim after he abandoned them. And he just bumps into him in town and we just roll right past it. I haven't seen my father in eight years. Oh, hey, dad. Everything that we do, we have done pretty much because of you. Right. And no biggie. No biggie. Okay, whatever. Yeah, so it was like again, just put the stuff throughout the show. Like, and it doesn't have to be like super fucking obvious, nope. but like it has to be enough though, so that when like when it happens, well, your your brain kind of puts it all together. You yeah. go, oh, like without that well, oh said, moment. I think you, there was fucking miss. There's one scene right. of him doing it. Like if you'd have had nine of those by the sixth, I'd be like, nine what the them, fuck is he doing? In different locations, uh-huh. like in different. So you're like, wow, he's, yeah. but he's you see, up to something. You see it once and you're like, Hohenheim's weird. Right. <laughs> that's, that's all I thought. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they showed me that scene nine times across different time zones and different weather, a climb, one in a forest, one in a desert, one in a, a beach. Mm-hmm. I'd have been like, he's fucking doing something. He's up what the to fuck's, something. What's he fu- is he, who's, actually what it would have been like is whose side is he on? Right. What's he building? Well, and that's the thing is because like you kind of even up like pretty far into the show, you're still not quite oh, sure I fuck, who's. I never side trusted on. him. Yeah. So like that could have worked there, where it's like, is he kind of on his own side? Is he working with the homunculus? Yeah. And father, or is he like, you know, what's going on here? And yep. then you'd get the the payoff. You're like, oh fuck yeah! Like he's basically been setting a trap. Yeah. He's like, I know I'm not going to be able to stop this as it sits, uh-huh. but I've got a trap. So when he does this, I'm going to be able to do this, and then so. How did were you upset when they didn't let Mustang kill Envy? Because I was mad. So one of what it reminded me a lot of was when Harry, when uh, Karen gets killed, and like Sonya won't let Harry kill. Uh, I think it's Rudolph. Uh, yeah, it's I think it's, yeah. That's and it was just like I guess spo- spoilers for the Dresden Files, by the whatever. way. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Who cares? The book's fucking old as shit. It is. Yeah, the series is old as shit. They've the been books, out for a while. But I mean, the book itself has been out for a couple of years at this point anyways. But um, yeah, I guess. That, that, so it's but just see, like... In my opinion, totally different. Because like Harry is trying to kill a person and there's this relatively arbitrary rule that we don't kill humans and Rudolph's a human. He gets grandfathered in. But like, it's envy. Yeah. He's oh, not I even was, a person. And like... And, and we, they, they effectively are going to kill him anyways. Oh yeah. Like he's for... like And like... Nobody cared when he um, when he killed Lust. Yep. Like he did the exact same thing to Lust, and we were all fine with it. He's kind of more angry at Envy because Envy literally murdered his best friend in cold blood. But like, see, like I could see why. Like if they wanted to do that, it should have just been Scar. 
because Scar has gone down the path of like, you killed my brother and my family and then I went on a murder spree and look where we're at. Uh-huh. Like, I can tell you from personal experience, this is not the road to go down yeah, because it been, doesn't actually help. He'd have been a good person to start to hold him back. But you don't need, like, what the fuck does Ed know about it? Yeah, I know. What does, what, like... Yeah, Ed barely knew him. Right. I Like, it, like it, I get a hit because, like, he was a friend of yours, but, like, like these guys were in the war together. Like, they're, they've been best friends forever. Right. And you shot him in the back in the in a fucking phone booth. Yeah. So that was it. I could. I don't mind what they did. I wish they would have approached it a little differently. I hated it. Because like, was, there's was, no reason for Hawkeye to do it. Because yeah. like, she is also just a killer. And again, they're not even killing a person. Yeah. The only person there who I could see if you wanted to do it right would be Scar. Because he's again, he's gone down the road of vengeance. Yeah, we did. It, yeah, yeah. And I, it doesn't help. Yeah, like, he's like, I've wrote this book. It doesn't end well. Yeah. It not only does it not end well, it does like I don't feel any better. I've killed like hundreds of state alchemists yep. or whatever. I don't feel any better. All I've done is killed a bunch of people. Yeah. And this is not the road. And it gets easier and easier every time. Yep. Like you don't want to take this, you know, the first step down this path of just murdering someone. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. That comes from Scar. I could see that working. That's not really what they did. They, also, he was there, but he wasn't really the focus yeah. of it. How much of a cop out is it? That they're like, oh, we need another, we need another. Yeah, no. Let's just make Mustang do it. And he didn't even do it. I know. He I, was in the fucking thing. Like, I know. I again, the, like that's those are to me. It's like you wrote the story, guys. What they just wanted him there at the final battle. That's yeah. what they wanted. And then, then make him do it. I like, know. Have him like have him make a mistake. I I don't. I never. To me, that's how. Like anytime I see a problem solved with time travel, my first thought is. Or at least usually the well, the only way we can solve it is with time travel. And it's like, no, it's not, guys. You could have solved it nine months ago when you wrote the fucking story. Correct. Like this <laughs> you wrote this. You don't have to be here. You don't have to have five fucking people. Like the 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 whole thing could just be solved with we don't need a fifth. Yeah. The only reason they needed five he needed five sacrifices is because someone decided. One of the writers said it needed to be five. It's kind of like Watsy with their stupid fucking rules yeah. where they're like, sorry, we can't do this in this because, format. Because there's a rule. Yeah, we can't print, you know, swords to plowshares into standard because it doesn't go with the theme of this fucking sure. set. Sure. Yep. Whatever. That's just a fucking rule you've made up. Uh-huh. Um, well, we can't put that on this plane because they don't do that on this plane. Right. Okay, dude. <laughs> That's, sure. I say that all the time. <laughs> like, okay, dude. Yeah. But, um. That it, it felt the same way. Whereas I was sitting there going, like, really? Yeah. Either that was my thought too. Was either like, he did because really? he, he didn't do it. He did not use. Uh, he did not like do the taboo. He so like he I was like just in the circle. I think I, I kind of in my mind draw kind of a clear line, or I, I think a relatively solid line between like magic in Harry's world and alchemy in FMA, where like you have to believe in it and you have you have to make it happen. Like the alchemy you perform is what you want to do. Right, and, and you I, have and to actually fucking make the choice like, to do it. It's like they ha- it's their will that makes it happen, and he didn't. Right, he just laid in a circle. Yeah, and like they held him down. I, I don't understand how you you can't force the will upon him to make these. I I one hundred percent I hated that decision whatsoever. Well, it, to me, it kind of fucked up the whole premise of the show, where the whole premise of the show was these people get put in a horrible situation and then they make the wrong choice. Yeah. He and didn't the, make, the he did choice not make the wrong choice. The, like 
that's the that's sin. The thing. That's, well, that's, that's why you get punished. That's why Ed lost his leg and arm. That's why, well, that's why Ed lost his leg and then his arm. Yep. That's why their teacher lost her intestines. That's, that's why, um, who else was there? Um, Three. Who's the fourth? On this. I just watched it. I know. Doesn't matter. Like, that's why we're here. You live a hard life and you have to, you because you fucked up. He didn't. Yep. Mustang didn't fuck up. He didn't fuck up that bad. See, here's how you could have tied them both together. If you wanted to, like, rewind the show, you could make it that, like, human transmutation could kill a homunculus, and he could have, like, set a trap for Envy and did it to him. To try, like, to consume her. Yeah, Yeah. and, like, tried to, and that's how he killed Envy, but it also sucked him into the fucking portal. Or I was saying, yeah, yeah, it got him. That was his sin is like he went down that path of vengeance and immediately punished. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That'd been a great way to, to write him out of like that. that. Like if you wanted to combine something like, or what if we just make him do it? What if, yeah. What if we tie him down in a circle and have the fucking alchemy go off around him uh, and he's just somehow sucked in? Yeah. I didn't know proximity was so a that, thing. That's what it is. It doesn't matter what you want to do. The whole clapping on the ground. Stuff doesn't Winry matter. wasn't in that fucking <laughs> no room shit. with that now. Yeah. She would have been sucked right in. Cause if you're just close to it, that's all that matters. Right. So yeah, there was. So again, I haven't quite finished it yet. Um, but yeah, you're pretty much there. Obviously. I'm pretty much yeah. I'm like two or three episodes away from it being done. We basically just need to kill off father in one way or another, and yep. then do the epilogue effectively. Yep. So so while we're on our anime rant, and then afterwards, I have a whole rant on Tarkov because they missed last week, and we're gonna have that. We're gonna have that rant again. I'll talk about Tarkov, but so to bring up on anime one more time. So this is gonna be uh, Demon Slayer spoilers for season three. And I'm going to talk about all the shit that happens at the end of it. So this is your warning that uh, there's going to be Demon Slayer spoilers. Um, so at the end of season three, which I, I, I think I told you when we started watching it, it got really cartoony. Mm-hmm. They have like there's little there's always been little scenes where like they have like little like childish, like super simplified faces and they're acting really silly. And someone like they'll put them in like in a headlock and be like they'll be like yelling at each other and breathing flame out of their mouth. And they really ramped it up for season three to the point where Sarah and were like, I don't want to watch this because this isn't this is a relatively serious show. Like we're fighting demons who have been like murdering families and eating children. Mm-hmm. And they, they they tone it down towards the second half of season three. But at the end of season three, and I talked because we're talking about Ed and Al. Like we, I watched the show for Ed and Al. It was really heavily implied that Nezuko, who is a little sister, is going to die because it is a known fact that. Any demon caught in sunlight dies immediately. It does not matter how powerful you are because there's different power rankings. And we, we essentially have evolved from fighting general demons to the lower ranks to the up. I think there's like the lower six and the upper six. The numbers might be different, but they're essentially the yeah. six, the 12, most, the 12 most powerful demons. Yeah, there's the lowest and they've killed. They killed a few lower six. And then the head guy, I think his name's Muzon, the head demon killed the rest of them because he's mad at them for being idiots. And there's we have the upper six. And the upper six are infinitely old, infinitely powerful, yada, yada. And now we're fighting them. And while we're trying to kill one of the upper rank demons, they base, he's fighting with Nezuko and they basically get caught out in a field. And the sun starts coming up and the, well, the upper rank demon that is essentially crippled but not dead yet is like chasing down some, some humans. And so we, he, uh, uh, Tanjiro has to save the humans. But Nezuko, the sun is coming up. And Nezuko is going to burn to death. And so he's like trying to cover her and like, no, we have to get you to a bush. But I, how do I save them? I can't I, I, like he has a full breakdown where like, I don't know what to do. I can't do it. I cannot abandon her to save them. I can't abandon them to save her. I don't know what to do. 
And there's a scene where she kicks him off of her. Though, like she's making the sacrifice. You go save them. It's fine. I don't, I'm okay with this. And he's like, and as soon as that happened, I didn't tell Sarah, but like in my head, I was like, if they write Nezuko out of this story, I'm done watching this forever. Mm-hmm. As soon as Nezuko leaves, I'm fucking out <laughs> because that's the only reason I watch this show is to watch, Ta- is to watch Tanjiro and Nezuko fight because it's a cool dynamic they have. It's, in my opinion, it's the perfect thing to happen where for better or for worse, Nezuko, I mean, they, Nezuko, it, they made her a sexy waifu type character, even though she's like 12, mm-hmm. but she's a demon, so she's older, but she's got big tits and shit, but it, they get to have a really cool dynamic of a guy and a girl fighting together. There's no love interest whatsoever because they're brother and sister. She's a demon. So there's no, like one of the characters like thinks she's cute and wants to be with her, but she's a demon. So she doesn't really yeah. have mental capacity. There's no love triangles in this. And it's my, one of my favorite things about it because I hate a show that's just to get, to get super bogged down with intense interpersonal drama based around love. Yeah. Drama around like honor or anger or hate. I can get behind that, but just like, well, I love her. Well, I love her too. Well, who do you love? I can't pick. I fucking, I hate when there's three seasons wrapped around that. Mm-hmm. And there's none of that in this because the main female character is his sister. And I was like, if they fucking get rid of her, I'm fucking done. And then would you like to guess how they solved it? She just is immune to sunlight. She's the only demon that's ever been to exist that's immune to sunlight. Yes, yep. sir. That She's fine. You know how I was talking about Deus Ex Machina? Yep. <laughs> Yep. Now, yep. now I will tell you, we learn at the end of the season, there's a little bit. So it turns out again, that's, I mean, we've already gotten spoilers. We're going to get way more spoilers. Apparently, his name's Muzon, the head demon guy who made all the other demons, which his origin story is the dumbest fucking thing ever. I'm going to tell you his origin story. It's hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I don't know, long ago. He seems to be some kind of a prince. He's a rich guy and he is, his body is failing. He's, he's crippled sick and he has healers that come all the time to heal him. And nothing ever works. And we don't know why. And we're trying to give him new medicine. And one healer gives him a medicine. And at some point, this guy, as he's slowly being crippled and dying, and he hates everybody, he gets angry and kills the healer. Because no one ever helps me. hates it. Well, it turns out his medicine was working. After he killed him, he realized that. And it turns out it turned him into a demon. The first demon. I don't know how. <laughs> they don't talk about that. Cool. This medicine that he was literally grinding up and giving to him in tea made him a demon. But so he's, he's obscenely powerful and like the, the like you can you cut their arms off. They grow back instantly. Like the only way to kill a demon is to have them be in sunlight or to cut their head off specifically with a demon slayer sword. There's something about those swords that are special. Sure. If you took a scythe and cut his head off, he'd be fine. So um, this whole thing, the reason there's demons is he has been infecting people with his blood to make them demons to try and Find a way to be immune to sunlight. And he was basically going on the, he could, he researched it and couldn't figure it out. So now he's going on the mutation strategy. And that That's why. And so Nezuko is the one who mutated. There's a, there's a reason, but I also was like, oh, she's just fine. Do you find that out before or after? After. Yeah, oh, course. after. Yep. Oh yeah. After like, and so have you, have you ever seen any of the fan art for Demon Slayer? Now, I don't go out of my way looking for it. So there's the whole premise in Demon Slayer up to this point. Tanjiro is always walking around with a box on his back, a big wooden yeah. box. That's what his sister hides in because she can't be in the sunlight. She can change her size. She can be a small, like 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 a six-year-old all the way up to like a 19-year-old or a 24-year-old, essentially. And so she shrinks down to a little six-year-old. She gets in the box and she sleeps during the day so he can travel during the day. That's the whole premise. She's fine. She's fine with sunlight. And on top of all of that, 
there's the whole like five to 10 minute scene of her burning to death. Like her skin starts flaking off. She has clear burn marks. There's steam coming off her skin. She's crying out in pain where the sun clearly hurts her. And then four minutes later, after Tandro has killed the demon, she walks up and she's like, hi. And she can kind of talk now. She talks like <sighs> a, she talks at the age of like a six year old or uh, I would say more like a simpleton. She talks like a simpleton. So like she like repeat words and she'll he'll be like, I'm so happy you're OK. And she'll be like, happy. Like that's how she talks. Mm-hmm. Like fucking kidding. Anyway, I'm glad she's still there. I'll still keep watching. But we didn't have to. We didn't have to do this. We didn't have. I know. I. These, there we needs to be an audible like there's times I wish we were like a video podcast because like yep. me rolling my eyes <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really well. translate to audio. I know. But like, but yeah, it's just like, man. yeah, there's this huge is this huge decision he has to make. Does he sacrifice his sister to save the humans? Does he say does he sacrifice the humans to save his sister? And she may I, the whole thing I'm talking about and with Full Metal Alchemist at the end where like there was no sacrifice. I'm like, yeah, she sacrificed herself, but she didn't. Yep. She's fine. He got to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. Which I like a happy ending, but don't give me fake steaks. And that was fake steaks. Uh-huh. That was. It was two and a half seasons worth of fake steaks. Yeah. Yeah, it was. She could just been out in the sun the whole time. And there's a whole thing. Have you have you ever seen Nezuko's character that she has like a piece of bamboo in her mouth? Uh, No, I don't think I have that. That's She's a character and she wears like a, she basically wears a ball gag because mm-hmm. she's a demon. And they don't want that started because they don't want her to lose control and eat people. So she wears a ball gag It's sexual as that sounds. It's not. But and let's call it a muzzle. instead. Yeah, she wears a muzzle. She wears a bamboo muzzle and she walks up and she like doesn't need it anymore. I guess it's fine. She just drops it. I don't need this Didn't anymore. You know, sunlight actually cures demons of dude, their problems. Dude, I was going to be <laughs> I was going to lose my shit if it cured her because one now she's useless. So she's out of the. So it didn't kill her. She's not a demon anymore. So she's not helpful. And three, the cure this whole time has been just put her in the sun. Because, like, Nezuko's kind of special because she's been a demon for years, but she's never killed anybody. And mm-hmm. there's supposedly something impactful about that, that she's never killed a human. So that's why she hasn't, like, become this. I don't, she hasn't, like, grown. Because, like, the demons are, they're people. Like, you never fucking. Some of them look like people and you would never know. And she can't talk. She has, a, she doesn't really, like, she obviously is very mentally capable, but she doesn't talk or convey speech or even really ideas that well mm-hmm. like she'll point at things whereas these guys are fucking walking around talking to people and having full-blown conversations and ske- making huge schemes yeah um and so like, i think there's somebody like she's never killed a person so she's never like finished developing as a demon she never she never started being a demon she never stopped being a human that's probably where she's in that limbo but i was pretty upset I was going to be way more upset if she was because like I said, Tondro isn't that impressive. And I, anyone can at me. They want Ton Tondro is not that impressive of a fighter. He's impressive because he has a fucking demon fighting with him. Mm-hmm. That's why he's impressed because none of the other people have demons fighting with them. And you know what makes fighting a demon a lot easier? Having one of your own fighting, a, having a demon to fight them back, because when you chop their arm off and it regrows, well, now they can chop one of your guys's arm off and it regrows. It's fine. So. To jump down to basically recap you guys on what happened last week because I had I complained a lot about Tarkov and it didn't come out. And to to summarize the complaint, what I learned Matt and I learned while sitting together before the episode last week on Tarkov was that bullet penetration is super important. It matters a lot. What kind of bullets you use? There's there's ten different kinds, twenty different kinds of every bullet. And while I figured they were always important, I never really looked them up that closely. Like I have an app that will actually like do the math. It'll show you penetration chances versus certain armor and whatnot and all kinds of stuff like that. 
but I never looked it up because I always figured it was like marginal gains. And so like I kind of use on average, I'd use like the most expensive ammo they sold. I can buy like four of the 12 because I'm pretty low level. I don't have access to the flea market, which is the like the auction house for WoW where players can sell stuff. And the NPCs you buy stuff from, they have loyalty levels that go up. And I'm level one on all of them. So I get the basic bitch stuff. Well, I was complaining to Matt yesterday about how I never win fights. And I just feel like I'm never contributing. And I was like, well, just, I, you know, I'll just show you what I mean. And so I pulled up like level four armor, I think. Because I can buy level four armor. As a level, at level three, you can buy level four armor from a dude. So you always have access to level four. It's pretty expensive. But if you're going into a real fight, there's no reason to have lower than level four. And I pulled up one of the guns I like to use. I can't remember what it was. And I pulled up the ammo I used for it. And do you remember what the penetration chance was? Yeah, it was zero. It was zero percent chance of penetration. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I pulled up a different ammo I liked for a different gun I liked. It was also zero. And I was like, well, no wonder I don't fucking feel like I'm contributing in these fights. The whole point of the conversation was I was having a, a, a was a, something of conscience, a, a crisis, a crisis of conscience where I was like, how is it that I have played Hundreds, if not thousands of hours of shooters, Call of Duty and Battlefield and various games that involve shooting. But like those are the big those are the tactical. I guess they're not realistic, but tactical shooters like pointing at people and shooting. And every time we get in a fight, I feel like I'm not contributing at all. It's because I'm not because these guns I'm using with this shitty ammo. I have to hit them like five, like four or five times to break their chest armor to then be able to kill them. Or to start hurting them. Yeah. Then they still have full health and, while you're doing that. And I mean, I'm not a great player, so I'm not I'm not afraid to admit that like, yeah, I'm I'm probably getting in these fights maybe six, seven, eight shots on total. And that's which in most games, six, seven shots and to for perspective. So I get I probably get six or seven shots on, and I don't really do an impactful amount of damage. And I feel like I get shot twice and die. Well, that's because they're probably using really good ammo. It's half the time I kill a a, a PMC, I'll pick them up. They're level like thirty. It, anything above 15 they're level 20 level 18 level 35 and that gets you into the flea market and now it makes a whole lot of fucking sense when you can get ar- rounds that will punch through armor and it does only take two or three shots to kill you because that's if i shoot you twice in the chest with most most of the guns you die the problem is your armor soaks up the first six so i have to hit you eight times and getting eight shots on target at mid-range is kind of hard especially when they're shooting back at you and if they shoot you twice you die so I have completely readjusted how I play the game. Um, many of the guns that I had in my inventory, I just sold because of the caliber they were. I, I use, there are some guns I use very differently. I aim at different body parts, but like just adjusting like what guns I use drastically and a little bit how I play the game, I, it's gotten much better. <laughs> it's gotten way better. Skill issue. <laughs> uh, it definitely was. It was, de- I definitely did not realize, again, I knew that, like, I get that there's less penetration chance. Oh, it's only a 20% chance of penetration because the armor's not as good, or a 25% versus a, you know, a 50% chance on good armor, good ammo, and it's like, no, it's zero. The first three or four don't do anything. They're not getting through. Maybe, I need I need to look it up because I can check to see how many bolts it would take. I'm kind of curious now exactly how many it would take, but it takes a couple. With a revamp of how I play the game, it's gotten a lot better. The other change I made, because I was talking about last week, I want to get to level 15, because 15, you get the good ammo, and then you can use whatever gun you want. Well, I thought when you ran as a scav, I, I figured it was level, like your account had to be level 15, which makes sense to me. When your account's level 15, you get the flea market. So when you go on a PMC run and you get kills or you exfil or whatever, you get some XP, you, your bar goes up and yada yada. And if I had paid attention, I would have noticed this a long time ago, but I don't pay attention. When you finish a raid, there's like six screens, and I just bump through them real quick because I don't really care that much usually. The info doesn't matter that much to me. But it always tells you, like, if you exfil with a scav, 
you got 800 XP. And I'm like, great. I only need another 4,000 or 10,000 to level up. That's 800. That's a good chunk towards it. It's not your account XP. Apparently your scavs, even though they don't have like a visible level, they have that that's scav XP. And that goes to them. That does not go to your account or your main character. And so like I would have days, it was driving me crazy. It was taking me so long to level up. Cause I would have days where I would play. I wouldn't work. I, I, I on Mondays, I don't do anything. My wife goes to work. I get to sit at home, relax all day, which is really nice. And I would, I'd run scav runs most of the day. And I don't like doing PMC runs that much. So I would like do a scav run, whatever would happen. And I would set a timer for 30 minutes. Cause that's when the scav run resets. And I'd go do a scav run again. And I would do that all day long. And I don't like check my XP. So then I play with the guys later that night. And I'm like, man, I'm still just really far away. And I just never but two connected two the dots that yeah. I'm not getting any XP. And so now I've been running a lot more aggressive uh, PMC runs. I also, since doing that a lot, have learned how to play on factory, which factory is really good for like really intense firefighting in and out really quick. You die a lot, but you get a lot of kills doing it. And um, I have a couple a couple directions. I really hug certain directions and I'm decently good at if I can win a fight or two and then I get out. Boom, there's 1200 XP. There's 1000 XP. So I've actually been really kind of soaring through the levels recently, and now I'm only like 8,000 XP away from um, leveling up to level 15. And I did check. So for perspective, the jump from 14 or from 14 to 15 was 25,000 XP, and I think it does go up periodically. It's like every level takes a little bit more, but that's mm-hmm. about that's what we're talking here. 25,000 XP to get from 14 to 15, and if I go in and I kill three scavs and I'm not there very long, I usually get like 1,200 XP. And scavs are usually pretty easy to kill. I've I have played enough of the game and I've gotten good enough at the game where I feel pretty competent going up against a generic scav and killing him now. PMCs are a little, mm-hmm. um, but against a scav, I'm, I'm pretty solid. I can usually take them down pretty consistently. And that's so, you know, you're looking at if you didn't do any side missions, 20 ish runs and you'll get leveled up. And then you've got all kinds of, you know, your missions give XP and most of the missions you can do that involve a lot of times surviving somewhere or finding a thing and turning it in or killing a certain number of things will give anywhere from two to 5,000 XP. So, you know, you do a couple of those, you get 10 or so successful runs and boom, you're leveled up. So Tarkov's getting better. Um, It only took about a hundred hours, but we're getting there. I do. I, it's a good thing. They didn't tell me that it took a hundred hours to figure out this game because I would not have fucking played it. There's, so there's a dude in our discord so we we were talking. We play Discord most nights, or we play Tarkov most nights. And a couple days ago, he put a thing up being like, "Y'all are getting me kind of interested in this Tarkov game." And my immediate response was like, "You guys need to talk to him because there's no chance in hell I can sell him on this game. <laughs> there's zero <laughs> chance." And then the first thing Alex says in the Discord is, "Don't buy it. It sucks." It's the first thing he says. Don't buy it, or you'll hate it, or something like that. And like, and we talk back and forth about it, and it's like, and then Weston was like, "Yeah, the first it takes about a hundred hours to kind of really get it figured out. And I was like, if you had told me that I never would have played this goddamn game. And now that I'm a hundred hours in now I'm willing to Sunk cost. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's but my, the learning curve on this game is so obscenely steep and it's artificially. So in my opinion, it's so like one of these I've complained about Matt. I don't know if I've told you guys probably have, and I'll wrap up on this thought because it's getting kind of <laughs> getting really long in the episode, but like the whole point of the game is to go into an area, loot shit and get out. They're called exfills. And when you load in, you know, you can you can double tap O and that'll show you your exfills. And it'll say, so like on interchange, your exfills are scav lands with co-op. So you'd have to, which doesn't tell you what that means, but it means you have to leave with a PMC and a scav. You both have to be together. Railway or Emercom. Fucking figure it out. I'm level one. 
what's Emercom mean? There is nothing there. And it, it's not like there's a sign by it that says Emercom base camp. Nope. That's just a corner of the map. You have to go. And it's not even like the corner. It's the road out you have to go to, and you have to stand in a certain area on the road out to Xville. Railway isn't a road out. It's a, uh, by somewhat where some of the trains leave, not the right side on the left side or whatever it is. That's where these trains leave. You go stand by them. You'll exfil. Um, those are a little more kind of, kind of make sense. Cause they're at the very edge of the map. They're at the very corners of the map, but there's one on, I think it's cus. No, it's not customs. What's it called? There's another map that escapes my mind right now. Um, reserve. It's called heating pipe. And there's an area in the map in the probably upper third of it, or I think it's lower third, depending on how, which way you flip the map. And there's an area where there's these two great big, like five, like four foot across, five foot across pipes are running across the ground. They cur- they, they turn up and then over a wall. And if you go stand under those pipes, that's an exfil. And there's no way of knowing that. And I really don't think the game needs to be that unforgiving that like you don't know how to get out and nothing about the game implies where you should get out. Mm-hmm. I had it happen one time where I was on shoreline and I had, uh, I got in some fights. I found some cool gear. I'd killed a few people. And then I, cause I had a map up, which you have to have, you can have fucking aftermarket maps on the internet, which you almost have to have to play this game until you learn the maps really well. You have to have these. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to the area where it's marked on the map. This is the exfil. And I'm like, Oh, I had that exfil. It's like the gym exit. And I ran around for like four minutes, unable to find it, and then got stuck in the map and died. Because when the timer runs out, you just die. And I looked up a map, or I looked up a, a video of how to do it, and it's like in the school, down two flights of stairs, across the hall, down another flight of stairs, in the bottom by some locked doors. And it's like, how do I ever find this? How am I ever expected to find this without being shown it? <laughs> and like, you're not? The, nope. game, the game is just two big birds right in the face. Fuck you, figure it out. And that kind of a learning curve is a little, because like you're just going to fail. Your first, like if you were, if you were like, hey, after the Tarkov game is <clears> pretty cool, I'm going to go check it out. Your first infinite number of raids just fail. Yep. Because you don't, on top of, you don't know how the game mechanics work, but you can piece those together. You can read the descriptions and you can figure out what the stuff does, but you're just, you just don't know how to leave. You don't know what is required of you to be not here anymore and get your shit out. And that's a problem. Yeah. The on top of the many other problems Tarkov has on, I, I, I love that game and hate that game. And I'm starting to hate it. I'm starting to be good enough at it that I hate it less, but God, I, that game drives me crazy. It's, it reminds me a lot of like just old school video games in general, where only now yeah. they just kind of assume that you have the internet. And I, I, it sounds like they're leaning on that a little too much yeah. where it's just like, well, these guys, they're playing it on steam. So just look it up. Yeah. I know it's, oh, I'll end up, it's and if not, you're, well, if you're not used to doing that, then yeah, you'll just never well, figure that's it just, out. That's not modern game design at all. Yeah. And in my opinion for the better, um, like that's, I remember watch, I've seen some old, old like point and click style games. I like, I've watched like the game grumps play and just, I've seen some of those old, old games with just obscenely obscure this is what you have to do to progress. It's like, come on. Well, the the big thing to me is like, that's not what this game is about. It's yeah. a fundamentally, it's still just a shooter. So like, it's a survival shooter. Yeah. Like, okay. but I, I, I don't, I hate that. I, I don't like that. That is how the game is structured. Um, 
keeps out the riffraff, though. Oh, boy. I'm Yeah, it, I'm sure it does. <laughs> it's like this is one of those games that like realistically you can't play unless you know a guy. Unless you've got someone to bring you in. I'm not saying you can't play it. You could definitely watch YouTube videos and figure it out. But like, holy shit, you are going to be in a rough spot for a lot. Dude, I played it with people that knew what they were doing. Like Alex has been playing it off and on for like four years. And I was in a rough spot for like 70 hours. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go try and tackle it solo, best of fucking luck. Well, that that's the thing with me is like, I just look stuff up. Yeah. That I just, I've, I've played, the big one was just Final Fantasy XI, but like MMOs in general have just, because that's, that's how they're all designed effectively. Yeah. I mean, WoW kind of broke it a little bit with like the fucking air, the exclamation points on everybody's head, mm-hmm. which, because that's, that's when it goes too far the other direction. But like, I went from playing Final Fantasy XI to WoW and like everyone was like, oh, just go to like ThoughtBot or like uh, WoWhead or anything. I'm like, why? It says everything you're supposed to do right here on the quest log. <laughs> like you guys have a quest log with NPCs on like that talk to you and tell you where you're supposed to go. And like they're highlighted and like they tell you like all the information's right here. Go play a game where it's not there. And you'll get you. I mean, you just play Final Fantasy XI with a Wikipedia open. Yeah, like that's just how the game is played. Yep. And every single person will tell you that because the it's so opaque that like if you don't, you will never figure it out. Yep. You that's, can't progress at all. I, I think that's how Tarkov is. I yeah. Think. Like, and you can get like you can like purchase maps of like areas. I haven't ever looked at any of them because I have the internet. But like, if you were playing without without, well, you couldn't play the internet. If you're playing without like yeah. Map Genie. Like, you could use those, I think, but I've talked, Alex has said they're pretty fucking trash. The maps they give you are pretty rough. Mm-hmm. So, like, I it sure seems like, and, like, these maps are all fan-created. It isn't like Tarkov released these maps ever. No, people yep. made these. Mm-hmm. These didn't exist. So, I don't, I, I don't understand how this game, in its even less finished state than it was now, which is, this is six years more finished than it used to be, people played it enough to learn these maps I just, I don't get it. It's it's good. I don't think it's that good, but it, it's good. It's good. You know who else is good? The Riff Raff. They're not Riff Raff. They're our patrons, and I will I will deny you calling them Riff Raff. <laughs> you can call people who aren't our patrons Riff Raff. Hear that, listeners who don't become patrons? Matt thinks you're Riff Raff. Yep. <laughs> but we try every week to give a big thank you to our patrons, Empra and Asphalt, who put our stuff on uh Reddit most uh, most every week. And we have Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob M, Limit of Questions, Derek T, His Forest, and Jasper. Thank you very much for becoming patrons. Patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. There's tons of bonus content on there. There's merch on there. There's all kinds of crap. I'm going to cut it a little short because we're moving on today. So, Matt, how is Legacy looking? All right. So, let's check out Legacy. Um, we've got a Legacy Challenge for Sunday. <clears throat> We have a modern super qualifier this week. That's kind of yeah. Cool. So modern, we've got some stakes. Um, looking at legacy, just a brief overview. Doesn't look like this is going to take too long. It's been, uh, it's been a bit of a trend. We've got a couple duplicates in the top eight. Uh, I will say we didn't talk last week. There was really good diversity in the top eight yeah, last, last week. Uh, I think it was what seven or eight decks in the I think top it, eight. I think it might have been, been eight unique eight decks. Eight. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think the overall diversity was great, and the the creature and whatnot breakdown was pretty normal. But in if whatever it's for what it's worth with this new Bowmaster meta, like the top eights have been relatively diverse. So I mean, like you know, silver lining. Don't get me wrong, I don't like scrolling down here to, to jump the shark a little bit and seeing that 
Orcish Bowmasters is in 40% of decks. And that's even on the low side compared to what we've seen. Like the diversity at the top has has been a little a little better lately. Yeah. It's but the the problem is the overall is like way worse. So it's kind of like there's I mean, just fewer decks around. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. We've just kind of shaved off like the bottom, like specific decks, for example, elves got hit really hard. Uh eight cast also got hit really also, hard. A lot of them that get hurt by Bowmaster and can't really run Bowmaster. Right. Um and or. And then it's also boosted a couple other decks, and we've got some shenanigans going on with like blue black, which is relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's for the most part not great, in my opinion. <clears throat> uh, but none of that ma- matters for what we're going to talk about right now, which is Wombo Combo 2020 bringing it home with blue black, and it is blue black Merktide Tempo Reanimator. I like. Well, I guess it's, I, I don't know. Yeah, the, is it fair to call it reanimate? There's four reanimates. I, I I thought I saw I thought there was two exhumes in here. Also, there's not. No. So yeah, like this is just that. I mean, this is just blue black tempo. They just yeah. run the reanimate troll re-animate package, package. Yeah. yeah, with grief as well. A Merktide tempo package with Atraxa and troll to reanimate. Yeah, it's kind of funny they did just throw in a, an Atraxa as well. Like I didn't catch that right away because there uh, isn't even, like we don't have a tomb or anything. Like you literally have to draw and discard that Atraxa, right? Uh, look through here real quick. Yeah, I don't think there's any. Yeah, there's no way to put Atraxa in the graveyard. Yeah, what the hell is that even doing? Well, you reanimate it. Yeah, but that, I mean. I'm guessing you can also. Uh, well, no. Because I think Currency Converter makes treasures, doesn't it? Well, Currency Converter does allow you to loot. It allows you to loot, sort of. Um, It's it's a horribly inefficient loot, but yeah, it does allow it, you to loot. It takes two steps to do it, because you have to. Or no, sorry. Yeah, you can just pay two to just draw a card. And it's also a may. You may, well, when you do that with Currency Converter, or actually whenever a card goes into your graveyard, you may exile it under Currency Converter, but it's a may. Yeah, you can you can loot with Currency Converter, and Currency Converter does make treasures. You can, the, when you crack a fetch land, the fetch land will go underneath it most likely, and then you can tap it to put that fetch land into the graveyard and make a treasure out of it. So you could treasure your way up to an Atraxa. Yeah, but that's um, a fucking steep climb. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it's just there to... Uh, discard and reanimate it's gotta be and it does also and it, it goes well with grief i guess but like it's gotta be there i mean it pitches easy. to grief and force of will so that's cool yeah like uh, I, the cost of it is relatively low but like i've the funny thing is it feels like we're missing something like that's that kind of thing is what like throws up my red flags of like hey what am i not seeing here i don't know what the hell it is yeah like i'm over here i'm over here saying attracts it isn't bad what makes it good Right, like, like the one currency, like the one easy way to get in the graveyard is currency converter. Well, think about this: what That's makes it, it good compared to a fourth Bowmasters or a third Merktide or a second, or I guess you you, you have the four four trolls, but or a um a fourth days, like yeah, like what are we doing here? I mean, uh, one of the things we didn't really mention here: uh, this does have an Urza Saga package. They hadn't typically done that in the Uh-oh. past. Um, so I don't know if that's a new innovation or not. Let me second place is also blue black, so we might as well just bring that into the conversation as well. For example, second place does not have an Urza Saga package and no Atraxa. So some, but still that it's, uh it's still like grief Merktide Merktide troll reanimate kind yeah, of thing. That Merktide Days tempo package. Yeah. So it's basically the same fundamental deck, only first place also is running uh Urza Sagas. So, I mean, this is ridiculous. Four Urza Sagas and four wastelands. Like fuck off. Eight colorless lands? Why not? 
This deck has... Well, and it's eight colorless lands that kill themselves. Six, this deck has six lands that produce colored mana. That's plenty. It's only got three fucking... Fe- or, yeah, it's only got three fetches. It's only got three fetch lands, yeah. Man, that, that's... Urza Saga does a little bit of work in this regard, and there's a couple of other cards that help it along too, but that seems, to me, that is either some really good tech and some good innovation, or like really a risky move, making Brainstorm worse. Like, cutting your fetches Mm -hmm. makes your cantrips way worse. Especially Brainstorm. Especially Brainstorm. Ponder's, Ponder's pretty okay without fetch lands. Like, there's... You know, there are times where you want to keep one card and fetch the other two away, but you're never hard stuck with a th- with a trio of cards. You can just shuffle them with Ponder. But yeah, Brainstorm, it's, I mean, you're going to be getting, you're going to spend most of the time Brainstorm locked. Like, yeah. most of the time you cast Brainstorm, you're Brainstorm locked. And you, again, you do have a couple other ways to shuffle. There and, is. And so- you, you can, you could uh, do it in response to Urza Saga. You could use that as a shuffle. So Saga gets it. Uh, Lorian revealed as a shuffle, mm-hmm. um, which is like we said, kind of like a slow fetch, anyways. Yeah. So like, as far as the shuffling goes, it still kind of would kind of count as a fetch. Um, but yeah, that's that is bold. That's the word I would go. Yeah, with. There you go. Bold to make brainstorm worse, um, especially like at this point, if you know you're playing against Bowmasters. I get that you don't necessarily want to re- lean on brainstorm as much, but you'd also like it feels like you're also like at that point why are you allowing yourself to get got for a brainstorm that's probably not going to be as good anyways? Mm-hmm. Like I'll get punched if I get to ancestral recall. Yeah. But if you're going to be if you're going to have to go be prepared to play into a bow masters with brainstorm knowing full well that you might also be locking yourself. Right. Eesh. So that's I mean, and for what it's worth, the second place list only has five fetches and one Lorien revealed. It has the same number of fetches, except it does it doesn't it doesn't have the Urza Saga fetches on there. Mm-hmm. The the shuffle effects. Yeah. So there's like there's less shuffling. Oh, don't forget Troll of Cause of Doom shuffles as well. Oh yeah, I guess I I forgot that that is also one of those slow fetches. But like that that helps a little bit. I but still like it's I still mean, it's not the same though. It's not at all like having to pay a mana to get the most out of your brainstorm is. I mean, the jump from zero to one is a big jump. Absolutely, big. it is. Well, I mean, it makes you can't so you can't go like turn two. Um, I mean, you can, but like you're you're really hindering yourself when you start mm-hmm. fucking around with like brainstorm uh, fetch. Like yeah. you can't do that with a troll because like you only have the well, one. You, mana. I mean, yeah, you, you have to hit your as, as long as you hit your land. If you were gonna hit your land anyway, then it's all fine. Yeah, but like half the reason you run these cantrips is so you can keep. Like underground sea wasteland brainstorm, or yeah. you know, like not necessarily that particular hand. That wasn't a good example, but like you can keep land light hands because I mean you only got fucking seventeen total, and I know you're running the the uh, yeah. the cyclers, but like you can keep those. Mm-hmm. It's like well, it's like I I I don't I don't brush over the oh you had the land cyclers. How many tap lands were you guys running in your decks six months ago? Right. Because like those are tap lands, as effectively, especially early in the game, those are tap lands. And how many like it? How many did you run? Zero, Zero. for yeah. a reason. There's some really good tap lands out there. How about dual lands that come in, uh, that uh, are indestructible? No one touched those things. How about tri lands that are fetchable? Those are pretty good. No one touched them. And so like I, I you know, Troll of Cause of Doom and Lorien Revealed are in effect lands. They are tapped lands, and that is a very important thing to consider when you're deck building. 
All that being said, they did come in first and second, so something went right. <clears throat> um, so it's just interesting. Like that's that's probably mm-hmm. the most like n- that like noticing that. Like I mean, that's that is a fairly big change in yeah. my opinion. Yep. Um, third place we've got Sneak and Show. I can't brush over this real quick. Sure. Second place did have two stifle. Yep. Got it. Got it. I stifle and I. I don't think the did first place have Sauron's ransom. No, it didn't because yeah. it brought it's got the Urza saga. Yeah, so we yeah. The so second we, place was the traditional, more yep. traditionalist. And we got we got <laughs> as much as you can call, yeah. call it traditional. The, the, the two the month three, old, the three or four week old list. Yeah. that like took over the showcase but challenge. I do love seeing Stifle. I'm very happy it's there. Go ahead. Um, next up we've got Sneak and Show. Let's see what it actually is first. Uh, it's listed as Sneak and Show. I should say it's so death and taxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got some weird ass shit in here. Um, so we've got sneak attack and omniscience. So yep. it does have, and we, let's make sure for it. Okay. We do have show and tell sneak attack and omniscience. We are at least sneak, we are and sneak show. show. Yep. Cool. Now what the hell is going on with this build? So we've got, so we got um, Emrakul and Atraxa. Yeah. You get your, you get your traditional payoffs. The Vesuvian drifter we picked up with jumpstart and it actually, we've, we've seen it a couple times. And this was one of yeah, those... Yeah, this is that like, weird thing, yeah. This is uh, a very frustrating card for me because I remember when there was a commander card that came out many moons ago. Many, many moons ago. And it was essentially this. I think it was a one-time effect, though. It was like an instant. Um, but it was this text where you look at the top card of your library or each player's library and you can make like a 1-1 version. If it's a creature, you can make like a 1-1 version of it and just have it. And I was like, that could see play and sneak and show like that's a really like if you can get Emrakul or Grizzlebrand on top that's a to make like a one one or a two two copy of it, it's pretty dope and everyone flamed me pretty hard on the internet being like you're an idiot you don't know what you're talking about blah 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 and while they were right that no one touched that card apparently slapping it onto a two four for three mana that does it every turn so giving it like you know four power creeps Made it pretty playable. Yeah, well, it, it turned out what the problem the problem with that one that you were talking about wasn't the get it on top. It was from what it looks like the power and toughness. Yeah. So it's and it the is, one time the one the one hits the big one. Yeah, it is. It is. But like, I mean, because the drifter, if I'm reading this correctly, it just becomes Emrakul, right? Yep. Until the end of turn, I believe. Until the end of turn, and so, does it on? Don't forget, does it on both turns? Yeah. So it does it on my combat and your combat. So you still get to swing with the fifteen fifteen. Yep, I also get to block with a fifteen fifteen for yeah. what it's worth. If it's a, does I don't think Emrakul has vigilance, does he? No, but like I, if I yeah, play in it, theory, yeah, yeah. If I were to play it, although hypothetically in that scenario that means I'm drawing the fifteen fifteen, so then I wouldn't get to attack with it next turn, unless you're using like brainstorm to set it up. But yeah, yeah. Anywho, um, then we've got brazen borrower, hole breacher, and. Uh, an Archon of Cruelty. So, like, the Archon makes sense. The Atraxas, we've seen a ton. Um, you Enemy notice anything sense. missing? No, no Grizzlebrand. Yeah, no Grizzlebrand yeah, at all. Atraxa and Archon of Cruelty took Grizzlebrand slot. We we want Hole Breacher. Don't want Grizzlebrand. I wonder why. Is there a card that came out recently? Seems like <laughs> that the shares a color maybe, with Grizzlebrand. Maybe punishes you for drawing seven <laughs> cards and paying seven life. Turns out Grizzlebrand's bad if you activate his ability and you die. <laughs> yeah. Game's just oh when it I mean when it essentially reads pay 14 life draw seven cards, not nearly as good. Yeah. Although to be fair, in show and tell, that's not still not the end of the world. No. It does set you it obviously is a big deal, but it's not as bad as like if you reanimate him and then you're just dead. Yeah, you just die, yeah. Don't forget though, they do have a seven seven now. Actually they have an eight eight. But so do you. Like you have Grizzlebrand. Yeah, you have a seven seven, they have an eight eight. Yeah. And yours has flying, like, yep. 
So, like, realistically, I mean, you're still... But you can't attack. I guess you could attack, because you'd gain the seven life, then you'd lose eight. Oh, you'd lose nine, because theoretically, Grizzly Brand's your only creature. Uh, they have a one, one, and an eight, eight. So you attack for seven, they attack for nine. You're only going down two life. And they're going yeah. down seven? They're going down seven. Yeah, you, you, you win that race, probably. Yep. And that's assuming you don't do anything else. As long the... as you don't do anything else with your seven cards you've drawn. Right. <clears throat> or you just put are... an Archon of Cruelty into play. Right. Um, which also works. <laughs> but it's just it's just really weird to see Sneak and Show without Grizzlebrand. Yeah. Grizzlebrand's not good enough for Legacy anymore, Matt. Duh. Well, to be fair, I've always... I, I personally hate Grizzlebrand, so I'm yeah. fine with that. <laughs> I would... I'd be okay if Grizzlebrand got I don't banned. really like how it happened especially but. with how, like all the new cool creatures we have and like Grizzlebrand is just such a lock for being just obviously the best thing like until be, Bowmaster shows up until Bowmaster shows up so yeah like I'm I'm okay with Grizzlebrand sees less play even as someone who loves playing uh, Reanimator yeah uh, the rest of the list looks like it's our pretty normal stuff we got some Bale of Summer in the main doesn't surprise me to see that card coming back not necessarily specifically for Bowmasters, but black is now a real color and legacy mm-hmm. again. So, and Veil of Summer is one of the best ways to counteract some of its most powerful cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good against Grief, pretty good against Thoughtseize. Um, Him to Tarok oh, doesn't happen often, but even that's coming back a little bit. Uh, it can. Well, especially with, uh, I don't know if it's still a thing. I remember when I when Bowmasters first came out, I was tooling around a lot on MTGO, and I kept running into Helm Combo. Mm-hmm. And people were running Helm combo to dodge Bowmasters. Yeah. And like that's what I'm mean, like, black, black if, is just a thing now. If Mono Black's gonna be out, obviously it doesn't stop Helm, but if Mono Black's gonna be out there, Bale of Summer just gets better. Yeah. So it does not surprise me at all to see that come back. Um I was actually kind of waiting for it. I'm um it still doesn't still isn't seeing a ton of play. No. I think Bale of Summer is kind of like stifle. Like once you're prepared for Bale of Summer, it gets pretty bad. Well, and it's the Although big thing it's better than stifle still. It is still better than stifle because you can at the very least just cycle it away for one. You just oh you know. cast a spell. Do you think it is better than stifle? Because I mean, uh, is there a single matchup where stifle doesn't have text? It's not so much that it doesn't have text because there are matches where Veil of Summer does not have text. If so, you're not playing blue or black, this card does nothing. That's true. Liter- the, I mean, and I mean literally nothing. I know, like that is a thing. Whereas stifle, I think it hits every single deck. Yes, there's something you can, there's almost always something you can do with it. Yeah. The odds of, like, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. Bowmasters is in 40% of decks, between 40 and 70% of decks. Well, even before then, like, I would, I don't know. It's kind of, I'm kind of having trouble, like, describing my opinion about. So, like, that means I'm probably right. <laughs> no. <laughs> means you interrupt me all the time and distract me with shenanigans. Um, so, like, to me, the more important thing to keep in mind is when it has text because yes the the these the fact is it has some zeros on its curve right Mm -hmm. and stifle in theory doesn't but the average curve for veil of summer i think is better so once you get if you're playing anybody with blue and black which again we're talking about blue so that's all of them that's it's 60 to 70 percent of decks uh uh-huh and black probably gets almost all the the rest of it but even it, let's just say for argument's sake, I mean, you've got well, I mean, red, you can easily run against um, on a red stompy, red stompy, red painter, like death and taxes. Like these decks do exist yes. where it does nothing. So you've got a card that you most of the time is a sideboard card. And that's yeah, that's I mean, you can tell that's kind of the difference that you're talking about right then and there is like stifle is almost always main decked. Veil is almost always sideboard. Side. 
But like when the, so when it's in under those circumstances, because it's a little weird because it's in Sneak and Show in the main here. But in those circumstances, Veil of Summer, in my opinion, its average curve is way better because like pitching a card, like being able to cycle when it doesn't really do much mm -hmm. is probably better than like the corner cases of like tagging some activated ability. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the throwaway scenarios. Now, one of the things that Veil of Summer doesn't do nearly as often is give you a free win mm -hmm. every now and then you cast one stifle and yep. the game is over yep that can kind of happen every now and then with veil of summer like somebody storms off and you well, fucking get them yeah this is a, i mean this deck would be a great example of where it can where yes. like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna show until emrakul on turn three and i get to stop your force of will right and now the game is over and stifle wouldn't have done shit against that correct so like the premise of like, yeah, the game, the card does just win games in this deck. Veil Summer does just win games. Right. And it, it can also, if you think about it kind of in the reverse, if you're about to get grief reanimated, Veil Summer wins you a game. It, 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 it certainly does. prevents you from losing a game. <laughs> like you could stifle the first grief, though, thus discarding could. a card to the grief effect anyway. Yeah, but like at least you get to pick the card, right? Yeah. You you know, you protect your good card and throw away a yeah. stifle as opposed to just fucking wrecking them with veil and then getting another card out of it. So like it's I, to me it's an interest it's a very relevant comparison. They yeah. they fill different roles but have kind of a similar effect cuz they're both effectively trap cards. Uh -huh. They're like, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh's trap card. Yep. It's like, well, you played a blue or black spell at a key moment of the game and you mm -hmm. didn't anticipate me having Veil, Veil of Summer. Summer yep. So, fuck you, dude. Yep. And then Stifle's like, "Wait a second. You didn't play around Stifle? That card that no one plays uh -huh. anymore? Well, guess who's playing well, Stifle?" I, they're both uh, you, you get you say it with both of them where it's like, "Oh, you didn't Yeah, you played Force of Will into a Veil of Summer that yeah. no one plays." Got you, fucker. Yep. And it's just now, now that black is a thing again, got to start watching. In yeah. my opinion, I would start watching out for those Veil of Summers. Yep, I agree. Um, fourth place, we've got Jeskai something. Uh, looks like Jeskai Control. I approve. I approve. So this list does not look like it has changed almost at all since last week. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, I mean, mean to the fucking card. <laughs> four of Fourth Aerolingus, the six Planeswalkers. It's even got the one day's undoing. Yep. Um. And now, to be fair, we didn't put out our episode last week. We did record it. Yeah, it's true. We spent three and a half, four oh hours my in gosh. my basement talking. Guys, I was so upset last week when I got, went to edit. <laughs> we've been making, I've been making some upgrades to the setup. I've got, we've got a new computer here that I've repurposed from home. And like, we were trying to record on that, which it should be a, I, I'm wondering if like, cause if, if the cord was the problem even last week. Could have been. Because, like, so we had an issue this week with the first, like, 20 minutes. I don't know if it sounds like shit. Sorry, guys. Where, like, it was kind of, like, the, the recording software was messing up. And it's, so like, to solve it, I talked about it earlier. Like, I've reinstalled all the software on the computer for recording. And I've changed the cords for our microphones, like, to try and fix this issue. So that's why last week's was, in my opinion, unfixable. So hopefully this week's is fixable if it, if it fucks up. Yep. And, like, you sent me that, and I was like, fuck. Oh, I was mad. I was like, if he says, do you want to record again? I will record again. <laughs> but well, it was, if you don't bring it up. <laughs> the problem was I, it took me a day or two to get edited, so it was pretty late in the week. Yeah, it would have been it wasn't like, like... If I had gotten home that night and, and worked on it and found it, we can try again soon. But I think, I, I think it took me two days or whatever to get around to editing it, and I was just like, no, I can't. I can't get, yeah. I can't get this. Yeah, I was just like, 
And I spent a while trying to fix it. Too. I spent a long time trying to fix it. Yeah. I, I sat there. I'm like, I am. If he, if he goes, Hey, we should really record this. I'd be like, all right. Yeah. I'm sorry. But guys. Like, like, since you didn't say it, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Cool, it weird. was, I will. I was really not wanting to try and force it to happen again. And I think, I think I, my next couple days at work sucked anyway. So yeah. like, yeah. Well, and that's the problem is now, because now that we've got, I do think it's funny that we we're solving. Yep. We're oh, like whack a moling these fucking problems. <laughs> we almost didn't get to record today because my wife's car fucked up. Yep. <laughs> but that was at least knock on wood here. At least currently, we think we've got that figured out. Yeah. But we'll that could have been way worse. Oh yeah, we could have fought that for two hours. Right. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. yeah, last week was. Bit of a mess, but we got to hang out for a few hours. So it was wasn't Unfortunately. a total, wasn't a total wash. Uh, anywho, just guy control. So we got four Nar sets and two Teferis. That I think is literally exactly what it was. I, last I, week. I think this list is almost the same as last week. I mean, without going through it and like yeah. pulling it up, but this is probably the same list as last week. It's a very powerful just guy control list, leveraging Teferi and Narset, and then backed up with, I mean, just nothing except control and counter spells, and bringing it home with four fourth Aerolingus as I mean, pretty much your only ways to win the game yeah and I, I i actually think literally the only way to win the game is with the four fourth aerolingus yep and that was something we harped on quite a bit last week was again kind of a risky move but it does allow you to run just a million fucking answers and ways to find them uh-huh and fourth aerolingus pulls a lot of weight and it just gets better as the game goes on and generating or creating monarch and putting it in the game at the right moment can in and of itself just win you the game yep um, we do have one timeless dragon in the side, which is an actual is a win con. A win con. Uh, well, I mean, so is Lavinia, Azorius Renegade. Not really. <laughs> As it, the deck that runs two Supreme Verdict. Um, I think last week it had Terminus, so it might be a little different there. Didn't it have Terminus last week. I think no, it did. I think the four color one had Terminus. There was a four color control list because didn't because we were talking about that because like this wasn't the Terminus deck anymore. That's right. That's draw right. go draw go isn't the okay, Terminus deck. Okay. The four color lists are the yeah, Terminus you do, deck. You do have two Supreme Verdicts in this one for board wipes. That's your other than that, you've got tons of spot removal. But yeah, you do have a four four in the air that can win the game. But this you're you're leveraging on essentially um and treat the angels that you don't have to miracle. Yeah, pretty much. And that's a good, that's a really, like, apt way to put it's, that. And, I'm, and, like, in my opinion, like, like Fourth Era Lingus is probably just better than Entreat the Angels in every way. Now, the creatures it makes are smaller and harder and, and easier to block. But presumably, you're not Entreating the Angels unless you're in a position to wrap the game up anyway. So if you can wrap the game, I mean, if you can make, you know, six or seven of these motherfuckers, that's going to wrap most games up in one turn or two turns. And they have haste. And they give you Monarch. Yeah. About the only thing. That and was... you don't have to jump. Sorry. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. No, and you don't have to jump through any hoops. You can start the game with it in your hand and it's fine. Yeah. This is, it's one of those things where like Entreat the Angels has a wicked high ceiling that just doesn't come up often enough to justify it. Yeah. So like every now and then you'll go land, 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 and treat and just fucking win. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're just like, oh, cool. I'll just make. Three or four, four fours, uh-huh. and just kill you in two turns. Yep. But that almost never happens. Uh-uh. The game grinds to a halt. You put the game under your thumb, and you go, "Okay, I'm going to entreat for six, and right. I'm going to swing for lethal next turn." Whereas this is like the game. The game is under my thumb, and I'm going to fourth era lingus for ten. And the game yeah, is you over. Effectively, or eight. are doing the same thing. Which only it's the clock. If you fourth era lingus for five, let's say you, let's say you could entreat 
if for enough to win the game, which is what uh, five would be twenty, right? And treat for five is is five four fours. Are you talking about with a miracle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the game's over. So for five. Well, if you can fourth Aerolingus for five, the game ends in the same number of turns because these get to attack for ten this turn and ten next turn. The angels don't get to attack until next turn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the the cost is the same and the game ends in the same number of turns. Well. So if you spend five mana, you only get six power though, right? Because it costs two. What I meant was X equals five. Gotcha. Okay. Because you need you need you need it costs X. a couple more mana, but if you can well and treat the angels, I think is one and X. This yeah. is two and X, so it's one extra mana. I was saying if you can get X equal five still, then the game still ends in the same amount of turns. You don't have to fourth Aerolingus for for ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To win to end the game as quickly because as, they get haste. Because they get haste, you yeah. get to attack presumably twice as many times as you would with those angels. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got fifth and sixth are both Abzan depths. Uh, let's see if there's anything cool about them. So the first thing that pops out in the first list is this deep root wayfinder, which we've seen before, but mm-hmm. it's not super common. Uh, it's a two mana, two, three, whenever it deals combat damage to a player or battle, surveil one, and then you may return a land card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Um, can I can I say something? Let her this card's trash. I, this card sucks. This card is awful. I, dude, a two mana two three. And I'm not trying to be rude to you, Emperor. I, I don't know if you still play it. He was. I played. Em, em, no, in fairness, Emperor did wipe my fucking my uh wipe the floor with me uh, with this card in modern in a couple game nights because he was playing it in one of his uh night decks in modern. Mm-hmm. But like in Legacy, a two mana two three that has to attack and connect to maybe put a land back into play. I could see this if it had almost any form of evasion like yeah. like if it had menace or like some flying or something island to make, walk it's like a, it's a merfolk island walk right like but like it doesn't even have to be like pure flying or unblockable horsemanship just something to give it a little bit of an edge merfolkmanship but it's a fucking two three i know like how is there no like swimmers i guess that's island walk that's island walk basically yes, but i mean like but to be fair, in Magic, islands are anything that has water in it. Yeah, I, I see plenty of, t- <laughs> plenty of cities are islands. Right. But um, yeah, like I, I see this card once in a while. And every time I see it, whether it be in Standard or in um, Modern or Legacy, I'm like, why are we playing that fucking card? Like I could see it. It's in, a one of. There's only one spot. Like, but, so, oh. For example, I could see it in the, the, the fact that it's a weaker creature matters less the newer the format is. So like with standard and pioneer. Yep. But as you get back to modern and legacy, you're like, uh, you well, know what le- also costs two? fucking orcish bowmaster. Well, let me counteract you with the, it's better in the newer format because it's weaker. They don't have fetch lands. Well, that that's, like, I'm just saying the, the, the payoff yeah. is also way worse though. Yeah. Like the fact, like the odds that this card's actually going to hit something are way fucking lower right. in it's, terms of getting a land back. Cause you don't have fetch lands. Right. And that's, that's the, that's the, the tension there is like the payoff is bigger in legacy and modern, especially in legacy. Cause you could do cool shit with like, you know, fucking wasteland or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's almost never going to connect. Yeah. I, I don't So like what the fuck oh, I mean, whatever. Like again, somebody put a list in the top eight and it wasn't me, but I just, that card's awful. Well, we've said multiple times. One bad card is not going to hold a card deck, uh, in a deck 60 down. card deck is not going to make or break anything. Especially if you look clearly Abzan Depths was a good pick for this challenge cuz 
two of them. There's two in the top eight. Yeah. And guess what? The guy, the other guy doesn't have this card. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, so you're saying it did. Well, maybe, maybe they, maybe this is the reason why he got sixth and not seventh or whatever. Or more than likely, it just got blocked by an endurance all game. <laughs> or it got eaten once by an endurance, you mean? Right. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just cool. You played that and I played a much better endurance that had an actual effect on the board and blocks your fucking dumbass merfolk. Again, it's not against the guy, but that card, in my opinion, is just not a legacy card. Yeah, no. Um, that seems like a fun of to me. Could be, and more power to you. It's not like I'm against fun ofs. Um, it's just, yeah. We're down to full two rots in this. This is a 10 rot list. Yeah, because we've got, what, three? Three coders and three crop rots. Yep. With four elvish reclaimers. And then the pretty standard yeah. land package that goes with a... Rot list. Anything new doesn't look like it. And then in the sideboard, I don't see anything new either. I want them to so badly reprint Sylvan Safekeeper with some kind of a cool treatment because my god, that card does not have very many foils and they are expensive. Yep. <laughs> and that card is so good in my Tatiova deck. Please reprint Sylvan Safekeeper in some kind of a secret layer. Or some special set or something. My goodness. So going through both of the lists, I don't really see anything new or exciting in any of them. Um, the second one does have a couple Bowmasters in the main, and it looks like one more in the side, uh, which was, to me, that's that was the most shocking thing about the first Abzan list. Is it's There's running, no Bowmasters. Well, it's, and it's running black. It's not just green white depths. It's got four thought seasons uh -huh. and no bowmasters, and then a random merfolk. Uh huh. So that and to me speaks to the that maybe uh, dark depths is in a pretty decent spot. Maybe the, <laughs> the sixth place list, semi notably, is also a twelve. It's a full twelve rod and a ramanap excavator. See, that's a pretty good two three. That's a. I would take that over. Now it's a three mana two three versus a two mana two three, but it does a lot more for your game plan. What if? One card, if it attacks and hits, allows you to put a land back into play. You could just put the fucking land or back. Or Ramadap, which just lets you put the land back into play. See, and that's the difference with me. I will pay three mana for a card that does something. Every time. Every time. I really don't like paying. I'd rather pay three mana for the card that does something uh -huh. than two mana for a card that well, most like, likely is going to just trade. Well, like, like, would you rather play Ramanap for two mana, but you had to flip a coin, you had to win a coin flip, or ramming out for three, and you just get to do it. Right. And that's even being generous to the fucking thing, because I think a, a coin flip of whether a 2-3 connects is, that's a little generous. Right. And I still would probably, like, ramming out as a 2-3, and you flip a coin, versus a 3-mana, a 2-mana 1 versus a 3-mana 1, and the 3-mana 1 just does the thing. Like, I'd rather spend the 3-mana. I'd rather have my plan that I know I'm going to get to do this. I don't need my, my turn 5 win ruined because I lost a coin flip or... And the nice thing is, Ramanap, you play it, assuming it resolves, you can just do the thing. Right away. Like, yep. they can't even they can't even prevent you from playing your land from the graveyard. Nope. You go, Ramanap, resolve, cool, wasteland. Uh-huh. Now if you fucking lightning bolt it. I just got my value I, out of it. I at least got something. I got my shitty reclaim or yep. regrowth, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then it's every, every turn it stays alive, it just fucking snowballs from there. Oh, yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah. Anywho, seventh place, we've got listed as Grixis Tempo. Let's look at it. So we've got uh, Blue Red Delver with Bowmasters and Thoughtseize. Two Thoughtseize. Thoughtseize. I, I just, not even a full four of Thoughtseize. Yep. So Blue, yeah, Blue Red Delver with its Orcus Bowmasters and a couple. I mean, like, I get it. 
if you're already going to play black mana, I'd play Thoughtseize. Oh, fuck yeah. I'd like if you're looking for powerful turn ones, like Dragon Rage Channel is a pretty good turn one. Delver of Secrets, not a bad turn one. Thoughtseize, pretty good turn one. Yep. So you've got basically 10 really good fucking turn one drops yep. that are also really solid. Like if you play it right, a, a uh, it's not nearly as good because it doesn't set you up with a threat, but like a Thoughtseize to force them into a to force them to go into your days yeah. can also be a cool little trick to play. Oh yeah. Where you like, you take away the only actual play and then you daze the thing they do yep. as well. Even yeah, so you can you fuck with their lines a easily, little bit there. Easily force them off curve in such a way that like, well now you have to play into days or you just sit there and do nothing. Or you sit there and do nothing. Yeah. And then you just fucking boop days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't really want to sit here and talk about and blue red Delver for the next. There is a no rod on the side. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next list is pretty sweet. Yeah. So next up, we've got Oops All Spells. And this is something, it's been around forever. We don't really get to talk about it that often because it rarely top eights. And it's been a while since I've seen it. So I do actually want to kind of look at this a little bit. Uh, so we've got Wild Canter for Manias, Narcomoebas. So this looks like it's a Thassa's Oracle deck. We're looking for Dread Return. Yep, it's got Dread Return. It's, yep, there's the it Dread Return. It seems to be a, in my opinion, a pretty standard um oops all spells list that we've seen for the last six months to a year yeah i don't when think, they I pop don't see up anything new they pop up occasionally here and there and not this this falls very much into the like the modern cascade problem i mean there's, there's just not anything to go in this deck that like if you go through and in my opinion you put you build the minimum requirements for this deck then the deck has been built Pretty like much. you need the four understood you need the eight enablers with uh, informer and spy you need the four narc amoebas to go with the mills. You need the all the spirit guides to ramp out your mana because you don't have any good fucking lands. You need the dread return Thassa's Oracle. I mean, by now the deck's built. Yeah. The well, the biggest thing they got were the flip lands. Yes. Uh, that, huge, that was huge. huge. The ability to the, run a solid what eight lands. Yeah. The the spy I think is relatively new. Are they, um, are they only on four lands? Even the flip lands? I thought they ran the red ones. Uh, it's been. They do not. Um, they do not run the red ones. So they are literally got, on just four turn timbo, turn timber symbiosis as their four lands. Well, they've got the four the black ones as well instead of red. So the Agadim's oh, Awakening. Oh, okay, Agadim's Awakening. Yeah. Okay, so they have eight lands. Yeah, to cast the rituals and yep. stuff like that. So, um, and then you know, Crow Mox, Lotus Petal, shit like that. But Memories Journey. What's this? Target player shuffles three cards. Graveyard into his library. Okay, fair enough. And yeah, I don't see anything really new here which is cool so memory's journey in my opinion is a phenomenal way to play around surgical mm -hmm. just yep, put it back on top and i don't get me wrong i mean like i don't know i, I don't know so what three cards do you put back on top so you can cast thassa's oracle you'd put back so you could just put back lotus petal lotus petal thassa's oracle and be like well i'll win the game in two turns no. if you don't have the blue mana if you don't have access to blue if you don't already have an extra lotus petal or chrome box lying around but mm-hmm that's a pretty sweet little uh, little response to surgical extraction or whatever. Yeah, uh, just another way to protect your combo. Yep. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really no, have the, much to say. The list hasn't. I, the list just, can't change very much. It's too compact. Well, was, it's too or not compact. It's, but it's been too, so long since we've seen it. Yeah. I was hoping for something other than those lands. To it does have one thing really good going for it. Uh, it's pretty good against Bowmaster. Doesn't draw any cards. Yep. Like ever. Nope. <laughs> Now it does have one really bad thing going for it. 
deck is not very good. Doesn't draw any cards. <laughs> you don't, there's no there's no cantripping in your combo deck. You know, there's no there's no filtering. There's no you get the cards you get. Yep. <clears throat> well, you just got to get really good at mul- using your mulligans. Yep. And uh, you're not wrong. That's it. That's not the type of deck I enjoy playing. Not at all. Hoping your top seven, then your top six, and then maybe your top five are pretty good. And then just scooping when you go down to uh-huh. four just doesn't seem fun at all. Oh, I I, I love playing control decks, but I hate... I don't even like Mulligan to six. Yeah. Where it's like, I, I can't be this... Opponent kept seven. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I had to do Mulligan a lot with elves. Oh, and yeah. It's like... It's fucking backbreaking to mulligan with elves. Yep. It can be. Now, the flip side is you do have a little bit, since you have some explosiveness, you can like, sometimes you just get like a the nut draw with natural order and you're like, well, cards don't matter this game because uh-huh. take 20 on turn two or whatever, you know, something like that. But like, it's pretty rare. Yep. Um, anywho, metagame summary. Other is the biggest category with 12. Um, looks like a decent chunk of that was... Let's see. I don't see twelve decks in here. So there's there's a couple blue blacks. I was looking at that too. Like I was trying to count them. One, two, three, four. Ah, there's a bunch of these like three and four color decks. Yeah. So I would say that looking at it, there's a couple like three color decks, couple four color decks, couple one color decks. The 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 other here does not seem to be concentrated in any one deck. Nope. The coolest thing in here is there's this uh, Cascade deck, like an act, not Crashcade. We're talking Aurora Phoenix. Boarding party, Maelstrom Wanderer. Oh my gosh. Creative technique. That's cool. What, what place is this? Uh, 21st. Yep, it's 21st. Is this that list that Julian was talking about with creative technique? I believe it is. So Julian was talking about this list months ago at a big tournament, I think in Europe somewhere. Mm-hmm. And this is like, I wonder what changed. I believe this list wasn't on Arena because it didn't have some key cards. And it might have been like maybe Aurora Finks or something. I don't know. But there was it was a deck in paper and the deck is all around. Oh, my gosh, dude. He, he gave a really in-depth talk about how this deck works. But it's all about casting creative technique, I think, infinite times. So creative technique is four and a red. It has demonstrate. So you may cast it. So when you cast a spell, you may copy it if you do choose an opponent to copy it. So essentially you get to, I mean, the, do it twice. They're, they're not going to be countering it or they have to counter it twice. And then you shuffle your library. Then you reveal cards from the top until you reveal a non-land card, exile that card and put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. You may cast the exile card without paying mana cost. So you cascade. Here's the thing. All the things you can cascade into, cascade into it. So if they like Sweet Gum Recluse, a six mana with Cascade. Sakashima's Protege, a six mana with Cascade. So the whole point of this deck is if you cast Creative Technique once, you cast everything in your deck, which includes an Emrakul every time, and you win the game immediately. So the game is all about, this deck is all about getting Creative Technique cast at least once. Does that make sense? Why does it keep going? What am I missing here where it keeps going? So think about it. So it's Cascades. It, so it's something cheaper, right? Creative Technique is the cheapest spell in this deck. Mm-hmm. So every time you... So Creative Technique will Cascade and hit something else, and then that will Cascade and at minimum hit Creative Technique again. Yeah, but don't you eventually just run out of Creative Techniques? You do. Um, is there I, something in here I'm missing to like shuffle them back in? I don't think so. There is... Okay. If there's not a way, 
then I'm sorry. But that was the premise of the deck that is he talked about it. Was it like it has it, it goes infinite and it always hits itself. Don't uh, do keep in mind though. So you actually have eight creative techniques, um, which isn't infinite, and that might be miss- either it's missing something online or it isn't infinite. And I'm just wrong. I remember this wrong. But whenever you cast a creative technique, you can let your opponent do it. So yeah. you, and even when you cascade into it, you get to let them do it again. So when you get when you cast your first one, let's say they don't counter it, you let them do it. You have two cascades, or you have two creative techniques that can't hit creative technique because it's a permanent. Mm-hmm. So those two are gonna hit a card. And then those cards are going to hit both hit creative techniques, which you can then double up again. So so you're effectively when you cast it, you may not looking at this list. It may not be infinite, but you're uh, by casting it once, assuming it, everything resolves. Like if you're playing against a goldfish, you're going to cast it effectively uh, at least eight, eight times, times, which should be enough to win the game. Should be enough to win the game. Um, let me make sure <clears> none of these have like weird things, though. But it doesn't. I don't see any like shenanigans. Now there's there's several like really just good fucking cards in here to hit that even if you hit them once if you hit Apex Devastator you're probably just gonna win the game. Okay, so also, um, then there's probably some math here. So it's like if you have eight Cascades <clears throat> coming out of it, Maelstrom Wander and Emrakul are gonna end the game because because Maelstrom Wanderer gives your creatures haste. Yeah, and then Emrakul gives you an extra turn, and so that's probably there probably is a fail rate I guess where you could hit like four Aurora Phoenix and four boarding parties. You know, and then but the, even I mean, hit four Aurora Phoenix, you've got twenty power flying on the battlefield. <laughs> well, but they don't have haste. Yeah, but still, but like, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. The fail case is you have is you have to pass with twenty tw- power. Well, <laughs> but probably closer to forty because that's Aurora Phoenix is only. And then they have boarding parties. Those are six threes. Yeah. And then you have some sweet gums. Those are three th- three sixes. Like there is a fail rate, I'm guessing, but like kind of like we were talking about a couple weeks ago with. When I kind of look down on memory, not memory, memory. What's it called? What's that? What's that storm card that got unbanned? Uh, Mind's desire. Yeah, mind's desire. You know, you look at it and go, well, if you only cast it six times, are you going to win? And it's like, well, we did the math, and it's like you're going to win like ninety eight percent of the time. I'll bet if we did the math here, and you got to creative technique even seven times, it's it's a, it's an eighty five percent, ninety five percent win rate. I am so I know I explained it poorly, guys, and I'm sorry. I'm so fucking glad I heard Julian talk about this deck because I never would have got there without like if you just gave me this deck in the blind, I never would have figured out that creative technique perfectly cascades into every one of these spells that will then perfectly cascade into creative technique. Now, the funny thing is, if you played it once, you'd immediately get it because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, the deck the, <laughs> you cast it for the first time and you'd be like, Oh, the deck plays itself. That's it the plays thing about itself. Like, like you, the deck is one of the things, like you, you, you don't have to make decisions, quote unquote, except for finding a way to get creative technique through. And it obviously you could always, I mean, two counter spells will knock you down. Um, and you've got, and there's tons of ways to stop this deck from going off and that it needs, it doesn't do, and it does literally nothing until you have five mana and you don't get to run any of the, any of the accelerants other than the soul lands, but you get to run soul lands like crystal vein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the like dwarven runes and yeah, the 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 like Hickory all the sack lands. Yep. Um. So I mean, there it, it it works hard to get there, but I wonder what got added or what changed because I remember Julian was talking about the, this wasn't on Arena. Now I do know that Daybreak Games added a, a several cards to a, not yeah, Arena on MTGO. That. Like they and they added like the not the Mind Goblin and some other really cool um commander or not commander uncards. Like so Cosmic Pup is on there now. Just to be clear, was one of the cards they added creative technique. It could have been. 
Gotcha. It, it literally could have been. I don't know. And that might have been the, what they needed. Um, I don't know what got added. I did not read the post. But I know for a fact this card existed in paper. Someone took it to a tournament and did relatively well with it. It wasn't like a eternal weekend, but it was a decent sized tournament. Yeah. And I think it was a woman, but they did relatively well with it. And then now, now, now it's showing up on arena. It must've gotten, maybe got creative technique or it must've gotten what it needed. It reminds me of a kind of like a char belcher kind of thing. where it's just so all in where it's yeah. just like, uh, this is what I'm doing. Yep. I do one thing. I play four, I play three tap lands and cast a cascade spell. Yep. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yep. And if you can't kill me before this happens or stop me, you're in deep the shit. game's over. Pretty much. Yeah. It would be fun to play, too. It would be fun to, like, make it do the thing and just be like, oh, look, this is what this is what I hit. Oh, this is what I hit. Oh, dude, could you imagine starting a game of Legacy at a tournament? Turn one thought sees and your opponent shows you a hand of this. What do you put him on, Matt? <laughs> right. <laughs> you see Apex Devastator, Sakashima's Protoze, Boarding Party, Emrakul, uh, Ancient Tomb, Besaju, what a Citrus. What are they playing? <laughs> right. Did you, did, is that your EDH deck? Or, yep. Oh, what did you register? It's Popper Cascade. <laughs> We've got Boarding Party. Oh, man. But yeah, that's a really cool deck. I'm glad you, I'm glad you saw that. What we got? Wrap it up. Anywho, metagame summary. Uh, we've got, um, as the single most common deck, uh, we've got Grixis Tempo. Um, that is not including, it's three copies. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's only 9.4%. Yeah, but that's not including any of the other variations of Bowmaster Tempo, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and I know, again, they play differently, but mentally I kind of categorize them all as the same deck. Yep. Um, then we got a couple two ofs with five color Zenith, uh, Cephalid Breakfast, Breakfast and Celestia Depths, which I'm actually curious about. See, that's kind of weird. In this, it's listed as uh, Celestia. And that's Abzan. And in the deck list, they're actually Abzan. Yep. So that's kind of a weird inconsistency. And then a few one ofs, Doomsday, Death Shadow Goblins, Top 32. So that's cool. Um, we got another, uh, we have rug Delver as well, which is, just seems like why <laughs> Yeah. now I will die on Tarmogoyf being good, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not better than Boatmasters. Now, to no. be fair, looking Fine. at this list, he doesn't even have it. He's got questing Druid, uh, which is a pretty cool card. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not. I did. Um, so it's two mana for a one, one, uh, it's got adventure. So it's a human Druid. Um, so we've got adventure as an instant for one and a red exile, the top two cards of your library until your next end step. You may play those cards. Yep. So that's pretty decent by itself. Just basically effect kind of effectively a two mana draw to an instant speed. Yep. Uh, then we've got his actual abilities. Whenever you cast a spell that isn't red, that isn't, well, it isn't green. Um, that or isn't sorry, green. Yep. Put a plus one plus one counter on them. You guys ever heard of Corian Druid? Oh, I have. I was. Or is it Corian Dryad? Dryad. Corian Dryad. Yep, that's yeah, what he is. If you cast a red, blue, black, or white spell, it gets a plus. It gets bigger. That card was fun. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, it came out in the Apocalypse block because uh, there was a that whole block was basically like Yogmoss here. We all have to team up. So that was kind of the flavor. Was gotcha. like so like they had a um that was the first appearance of like enemy lands and stuff like that. So gotcha. Like, uh, Land of War Waste. And chill yep. like that makes sense. Like I say, we're work. We have to work we together have to no matter work what. Together. Yeah. Um, then the rest of this basically is just blue red Delver. Yep, that's blue red Delver with questing druid. Yep. Uh, probably not better than Bowmasters. <laughs> Could probably be wrong though. And it's probably not as good as expressive iteration. Yeah. 
So uh, moving on to most played cards, we've got Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Bowmasters, and Surgical. Uh, I think, and to me, this is just the the perf. It's like the epitome of like what is wrong here. Other than maybe Ragavan, can you remember a time when consistently the most one of the most played cards was a creature? A very, I, I know, like no, like, creatures have been getting pretty good. I mean, I'm pretty sure Uro was for a while. Like you know, what I mean, I think Uro probably held that spot for a while when he came out because Uro was in everything. But but I mean, like. Not for this long, no. you know what I mean? Nope. And yeah. the the only other one was potentially when like when Ragavan was a thing, he was almost always run alongside Merktide. Yeah. And that deck was a huge portion of the metagame. And if you look here, you only had to, in theory, break about twenty five percent to make it into the top ten cards. Yeah, pretty much. So like, it's reasonable that the the unholy trinity of <laughs> Ragavan, DRC, and Merktide all made it in there, uh-huh. but, like, just one fucking creature. He's just the most played creature, like, far and away. Literally yeah. twice, said, like, almost twice as much. And 40% is on the low end. Yeah. Uh, top creatures, Bowmasters, Merktide, Endurance, Simeon Spirit Guide, and Delighted Halfling. Who would have fucking called that? I think we both sit here and we're like, that card's really good. Yep. I don't think I would have told you it would be the fifth most played Creature, creature in a uh, legacy top 32 challenge. But it is a very strong card. It is a very good card. Uh, so we've got top spells, force will, brainstorm, ponder, surgical, and sword splashers. So that's our legacy challenge for the week. How about modern? All right, let's bump on over to modern. It's going to be a longer episode this week, guys. So even if I don't cut out the first little chunks of stuff that may or may not have recorded right. Uh, but in modern, we do have a modern super qualifier this week to talk about, which is pretty sweet. Jesus um, Christ! I Look do, at this deck list, the metagame summary. I <laughs> that's a pretty short fucking list. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I do apologize to Emperor on our Discord because I know he was talking about he was pretty happy to see Night of the Reliquary making waves, and I think it was the Saturday challenge. And I'll be honest, when I saw that, I legitimately thought about covering the Saturday challenge this week to include one of your pet cards, and and there's not a huge difference. And then I saw we had a super qualifier. <laughs> And all of your chances of being covered got thrown out the window. So sorry about that, bud. Um, in first place, we do have Dazna- da- Danzant, Danzant with four-color Omnath. Now, to, to jump the shark a little bit and just to what Matt is talking about, um, this metagame summary has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve decks. The top 32 consists of 12 different decks, one of which is Twiddlestorm, by the way. It kind of reminds me of the a few weeks ago where we actually had a serious legacy thing. Yeah. And it was the same kind of thing where it's like the week to week challenges. You can tell people are still kind of messing around and testing and whatnot. Yeah. But when there and was on, like legit money on the table, it narrowed down real fucking quick. Yeah. But first place four color Omnath. I could have swore. I, we were told Omnath was dead and would never see any play again when they banned Yorion. I that was the whole reason we banned it was was for that right that's because that, that's what it took to to knock on at least down. they made the deck cheaper yeah. <laughs> the deck does cost that. a lot less you save everybody 700 bucks um, if just, they're just buying into it just the grindiest of grindy decks we do have those four delighted halflings uh one elish norn and then fury solitude uh with the four omnaths obviously eight planeswalkers four ren and six four to fairy four one ring we do have a new card um, 
I've seen this card bouncing around. I saw Julian, I think, playing with it on Twitter. I've seen it be played with a little bit in Standard. I don't. I saw a Spike playing with it quite a bit on in Modern. Up the Beanstalk, one and a green for an enchantment at Uncommon. When Up the Beanstalk enters the battlefield, and whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater, draw a card. It's pretty good with the. Uh, um pitch elementals it works really well with the pitch elementals it works really well with ley line binding yep and worst case scenario it just cycles yep. like <laughs> what do you think the chances are this card sees play if it didn't say when it etbs draw a card zero zero uh, no chance if this card if this card required something of you to pay for itself you nobody would play it but because like dress down like Oh, that's one that comes to mind right now. But like, like all these other cards that just ETB draw card, like that just pay for themselves immediately. Like it's very playable in this deck full of overpriced spells that you're probably not paying full price for. Mm-hmm. Again, like the pitch elementals, like Leyland Binding, and then just getting to make every one of those draw a card is pretty insane. Yeah, I mean the elementals are nuts when they don't actually make you go down a card to do them either. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing we talked about with, like, the reason why Fury is so good. Because Fury usually doesn't make you go down on cards. Fury is usually a two for two, sometimes a two for three. And then now it becomes a one for two, where you get to pitch, cast Fury, draw a card, kill two of their things. Solitude's the same. Like, what was holding Solitude back was it was legitimately a two for one. It was just, you know, turns out Swords to Plowshares, even when it's a two for one, is a phenomenal card. Well, now it's... Now it's, it's get, just swords to plowshares. It's shares. getting really fucking close. <laughs> like it's not, but it's getting really close. Yep. It costs one less mana. It does have the I requirement mean, of having a white card, but it's. Whew. I was gonna say at this point, like you're splitting hairs. Like I wouldn't even say like let's just assume you have an up the beanstalk in play. Yes, because if you don't, then obviously swords is better, right? It's infinitely. There's a real strong argument to be made that solitude is better. It doesn't cost uh, it, mana, and you can pitch stuff you don't want. So you yeah. have a useless fucking white spell, pitch it, yeah. kill their dude, and draw, get a fresh card off the top. Yep. And and all of that, all of that, that is only that is only evaluating solitude in the lens of removal I need right now. That is completely ignoring the fact that on turn seven, sorts of plowshares is still just sorts of plowshares, and on turn seven, solitude is a three-two with lifelink. Right. And sorts of plowshares. And sorts of plowshares. <laughs> so I, I see what you're saying. We're like, yeah, that, I mean, that also still draws a card when up the beast stock is out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so like, I, you're saying, right, it's it's becoming very close. Very, very close to just better than swords. That all being said, with the, the four, I believe it was four, right? Yeah, four up the beanstalks added. Nothing else new in this deck. Now, it is worth saying. Four of, in a modern deck, that the set came out like last week, and there's already four four of them in this deck. That's a pretty big change. Um, everything else looks pretty standard, though, including as much into the sideboard. We do have a second Elish Norn Mother of Machines in the sideboard, which is pretty cool. That that card just hoses the vast majority of modern and ramps up this deck to like the nth degree. As oh well. yeah, it's like I mean, like I I th- it's almost in my opinion viewing it in that regard is just it becomes a win more card, <laughs> but. Having that on the back on the back side of like yeah my now my now my omneth triggers twice <laughs> and well, yeah, now my to me it's the difference between like if it didn't have that I'd just run torpor orb yeah you know well what I mean? you probably wouldn't because torpor orb would hit your shit that's true but you, you probably know, wouldn't like, as far as, if there was a one sided torpor yeah. orb they printed a two mana which I mean, like five is a lot for five mana it needs to do it more than to. just be a hate well, bear and it 
don't forget, it's five mana ETB do nothing. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why this card slept pretty hard. Like, EDH, EDH ringed on this immediately, but most competitive players were like, I don't see it. And I was one of them. We're like, I five mana for like a three five? And then what is uh, it? I think she's, I want to say. Oh, it's so a four seven. Okay. She yeah. got a big bud. But anything above, anything above, once you get to four, you're outside the of the range, all that matters. Yeah. Maybe five for dismember. It does see a little bit of play yeah. here now. But, I, guess, yeah. I guess actually, interestingly enough, it is. Well, I guess six is unholy heat. It's out of unholy heat range too, so that does She's kind real of hard to kill. She is hard to kill. Um, but I, I, I five mana was a lot, and then I like you got me to like have the epiphany of like, oh yeah, the only way to kill this is with ETVs, except like you have terminates and whatnot. But there's a couple terminates. Other than that, the only way to kill this is with ETVs. Yeah, she's real hard to kill. Yeah. Shuts down your opponent, doubles your stuff, and has four yeah. powers. Still five turn clock. Yeah. That's not bad. And again, it is it is really relevant that like doubling, you know, putting your deck on a freaking turbocharger does just end the game sooner and just prevents them from finding that answer or that win. Next up in second place, we have Mono Green Amulet Titan, one Cultivator Colossus, four prime times, and then the rest of a Titan deck you expect to see. I do like to check to see what kind of a land package they have. We are on the Slayers, Stronghold, and Sun Home Fortress package to bring home in one turn. And most notably, the three Mycosynth Gardens in the main board as well. Um, Probably the most interesting card I see in the sideboard is this one of Hydroid Crisis, which is a phenomenal card if you plan on already making a ton of mana. The ability to just dump, you know, 10, 11 mana into this and gain five life, draw five cards can just really swing a game back around where you are completely down and out. Not to mention, in doing that, you're going to make a 8-8 or whatever, a 9-9. Yeah. Flying. This card's pretty awesome. But um, we do have a Dragonlord Dramoka in the side, which we yeah. don't normally see. So four, uh, six mana, five, seven, can't be countered. It's probably why we're there. Yep. Uh, flying lifelink, and your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. All of those things are great. They are. And again, can't be killed by Unholy Heat. Can't Unholy Heat it. You can't Lightning Bolt it. Um, you'd have to solitude it pretty much, wouldn't you? Solitude or terminate. Yep. But also, there is also a really nice feeling knowing that uh, on your turn, you know, you're good. You do whatever you Stuff want. Stuff just resolves. It's a pretty expensive Veil of Summer, but Veil of Summer isn't a five seven with flying. Also, an Oblivion Stone in the side. I don't think we usually see O stones in Amulet Titan. Uh, they definitely have enough mana to take advantage of them, but it's still not something we see very often. Mm-hmm. Next up, we've got Blue Red Delver. I'm sorry, uh, uh, is it Murktide in uh, Modern? One Subtlety in the main, and then four Ragavan DRC and Murktide. Uh, the spell suite's pretty standard to consider for Preordained. Why are they still running Consider? I don't... Or sorry, let me correct my my joke. Why are they running Preordained and not... like For Consider to Preordained? What are we doing here? Yep. I, I thought... I was told that Preordained isn't even better than Consider. True. Clearly. Clearly. Um, spell Pierce, Spell Snare. Nothing much new going on in here. Uh, main board or sideboard. There is one kind of cool thing in the sideboard. We've got Jace the Mind Sculptor. <laughs> Jace the <laughs> yep. Mind Sculptor has been reduced to sometimes a sideboard slot in modern. Yep, down to 25 bucks. My, how, how the mighty... Subtlety has have, almost uh, caught Jace. I mean, that's that's a uh, margin of error in my opinion. We're 50 cents off. 50 cents off. That's that that's pocket change. That's dude. That is, I would literally make the trade. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. if I was at, at a card shop and so I was like, Hey, I'll trade you a subtlety for your Jace. I'd be like, eh, that's fine. That's nope. a one for one trade. Jace, the mind sculptor. Ugh. Uh, next up, we do have Boros burn bringing home fourth place, which is pretty sweet. I always love seeing burn 
coming in to just kind of keep a meta clean, honest. keep it keep it honest. Like, can you handle Goblin Guide into Swift Spear Lightning uh, Lava Spike? Because I because that's hey, it's turn three and you have seven life, dude. There is something very satisfying. It doesn't it doesn't always work, and burn is you know burns burn. But dude, fucking go and turn one Goblin Guide, turn two Swift Spear Bolt yeah. is fucking cool as shit. Like, it's so aggressive when you turn one, swing, turn two, swing, swing, oh. bolt, like just a bunch of fucking nonsense going on oh, and you're yeah. just sitting there. The only thing that makes it better is when you're in Legacy and you go, cool, scoop, fire blast. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just like, fuck you, dude. Let me just sack, is it three mountains or two mountains? It's two. Yeah, let me just sack these two mountains and deal the extra five damage or whatever it well, is. Well, usually what happens, it's four damage and... If you're playing like this back and forth, you eventually get four mountains and you double fire blast oh, somebody no. and it's fucking game over. There's eight damage sitting in your yeah, hand. You're just sitting there and you're just like, <laughs> swing? Yeah, cool. You do some like shitty thing where you, yeah. you know, you have you to swing find the in. line. I'm, I'm going to stabilize at six. I'll be okay. Yep. I swing in. You kill all but my, everything but my one fucking goblin guy gets through, puts yep. you from 10 to eight, and you're just like, dome, dome. <laughs> Suck a dick. Yeah, it's so fun. Like Fire Blast is one of the most fun cards ever printed. Pretty good card. It's cool. Pretty good. Uh, with all that being said, as far as Boros Burn goes, not much going on here. New. Um, they have all the lightning bolts worth playing. Well, they do have Shard Volley. Yeah, um, which I mean, it's Shard Volley <laughs> is definitely not Fire Blast, but it's it's close. It's getting there. I mean, it's it's you sack one land and you get three and pay one for another lightning bolt. It's pretty close. Um, but yeah, you have all the lightning bolts, you have a rolling vortex, a bunch of lands, including those uh, sack lands, sun, sunbit canyons, and your sideboard's pretty standard. A couple chalices, sanctifiers, uh, and staring bridges. It's burn. Nothing crazy to talk about. Still super happy to see it. Uh, next up, an, an, a deck I would love to play. It looks like so much fun to play. Mono Black Coffers in fifth place. Um, of course, you've got Orcish Bowmasters and Sheldred, meaning I'll probably never be able to afford this deck. Uh, with with three trolls to go get you those extra swamps. Don't forget your one ring, pushing yeah. it further out yeah. of reach. And the three one rings, which they are luckily down to only forty bucks a piece, only. Um, but I do love this Urborg uh, Cabal Coffers package, especially because you get to run seven Field of Ruins essentially, and like just destroying all their lands is on the table. Mm-hmm. Like just running them out of basics is very much up something we can do. And then you have just like like mono black control is probably one of my favorite decks to play, um, especially in, I, there was, it was really good in standard a little while ago, like a like a rotation or two rotations ago. There was a pretty fun, pretty solid mono black control, and I I do love the just kill it, just sure play your creatures. I don't care, kill it, kill it, kill it, sacrifice it. Yep, kill it. <laughs> I, I do love the, I'm just going to just, yeah, I just, I just destroy everything. Yep. Eventually just play sheltered and kill them. And then hide behind it. Yep. Uh, that being said, the main board is a lot of killets, uh, blood chief thirst, fatal push, uh, shelter's edict, Ret- March of wretched sorrow, uh, some more disruption with thought seas and a little bit of card draw with night's whisper is sign and blood. Not man. So sign and blood's modern legal for sure. <clears throat> but, would you run Sign and Blood or Knight's Whisper? Because so, so Knight's Whisper, obviously, if you have to go, you know, uh, Swamp, Field of Ruin, Knight's Whisper is infinitely better. But you're playing a Coffer's deck. And Sign and Blood 
can dome your opponent for six with Sheldred. Yeah. I I I don't know. I'd have to play the deck to see how it feels. Yeah, I, I, I to see how often I end up playing. I would need to play like 20 games. Because the problem is, is when you're in that scenario, you really need to cast Knight's Whisper. Yeah. Because like you're probably just going to lose if you don't. Yep. If you don't have your third land drop or your third or you do have like, heaven forbid, like Swamp, Field of Ruin, Field of Ruin. Right. So the 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 floor is probably worth losing the ceiling of like because because sign of blood is just uncastable too yeah, often, probably especially when you need it. It's too, it's it's uncastable is, when you need it, and it's silly to even think about that. But if you look, there's only two <laughs> cards in here total, not two different cards, two cards that cost double black, double Sheldred. That's Sheldred. That's it. Yeah. And then you've got, I mean, strictly speaking, the sideboard has one damnation. Yep. And yes, it does have Leyline of the Void. We but don't like, cast those. We don't typically speaking cast those. This yep. deck certainly can, but like we're not planning on, that's not plan A. Yeah, it's not. So you've got three total cards in the 75 that cost double black. So yeah. clearly. It's, it matters. It matters to some degree. And the flip side is you, you actually do want to be using these Field of Ruins as often as you can too, yep. because that's how you're going to keep up with the field and all the nonsense that four and five color decks can throw down is like, no, you only get to cast your blue spells you don't yep. get to cast all the red other spells yeah you're, right. you're no red for you or 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 you get to cast your white and red spells no blue spells yeah so <clears throat> yeah I, I, interesting it was really did, was it last week that we talked about the mono blacklist that um wasn't running a coffers and a urborg or was that the week before i don't remember there was one of them we talked about we're like why the hell isn't this list running uh, on coffers yeah it, well, at least an urborg because it had a bunch of the like uh, field of rune demolition field oh, kind of gotcha. things, but it didn't even have one Urborg, which is probably just better than most swamp. Like it, your yeah, twelve yeah, swamp. The first one's almost always better. Like and I the can, second or third are probably. I can see not running coffers because there is a risk reward pull there. Yeah, where it's like the land doesn't do shit if you don't have some swamps. I mean, out. case in point, most of these lists like. Most of them run tutors because it's so important to get your coffers and your Urborg online. Yep. So like most of them are running. What's that free demonic tutor? Yeah, I know which one you're talking the about. For, the 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 suspend demonic tutor. Yep. And some of them are like they're running these tutors because it's it's the deck falls so flat when you don't get to spend nine mana a turn. Well, think about this. There's eleven lands in here that don't tap for black, and four of them don't tap for mana. Yep. That's very true. Yeah. The ball coffers is like the does, black guy's cradle. It does not make mana. And it does not make mana. Not and without I can, Urborg. And I can tell you for a fact, having four guys' cradles comes up. It fucking happens way more than you think. <laughs> where you open a seven and you're like, this hand would be great if my second cradle was a fucking bayou. Gotcha. <laughs> but it's it's like, well, I have two cradles and no other land, so I guess I'm throwing it back. Can't play the game. You just cannot fucking play that game. And if you go like in this, it's even worse because, like, you're not trying to get Coffers Swamp. Well, I mean, that's what you're trying to get. But, like, you've got Coffers, Demolition Field, and Field of Ruin. You can open up a fucking three-land hand, and it's not playable. At least not in any real sense. Uh-huh. Eventually, yeah, you could go land, 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 but that's hit not, your thing, and yeah. then get a Swamp. We're playing modern. The game's over against some decks by right. now. Like, you have some real, like, this mana base for a monocolor deck is actually kind of fragile. Yeah, you're right. Not fragile from the, like, you're going to get attacked from your opponent, although it probably would also just fucking suck with Blood Moon as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, it's, the mana is, it's not, it's it's precarious. Yeah, it's a monocolor deck with bad mana. Yeah. 
which I'm used to playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also love Cabal Coffers decks. So like I've got two it's, of I've got two EDH Cabal Coffers decks. Yeah, the deck's awesome. The, the card's awesome. All right, let's wrap this up. We are getting awfully long in the teeth today. Uh make me miss my noodles. Sixth place, we've got another four color omnath list. Let's quickly actually we have all repeats. So four color omnath looking at it pretty quickly. This one does have a uh, Nissa Resurgent in place of a Fury and Solitude. So down one Fury, down one Solitude, making room for some more spells. Um, no up the Beanstalk here. So four Leyland Binding, four One Ring, ending Lightning Bolt, stuff like that. I think one Nissa is basically perfect. I think so too. It's such a powerful card, especially with your fetch lands. Like just, just getting, getting to getting to double up on that like fetch land value is really good. And having it just, it always draws you an amazing card. Yeah. It draws you Solitude, it draws you Fury, or it draws you Omnath. Like, yes, please. Sign me up. Uh, sideboard, pretty much the same as last one. Uh, then, you know, no, uh, no O stone, stuff like that. But it's a pretty standard, pretty similar four color Omnath sideboard. Next up, we've got another Is It Murktide list. Uh, two subtlety in the main this time. Pretty much the exact same spell suite and a pretty similar sideboard. Uh, don't see anything too crazy going on in here. One stern scolding. Love seeing that in the sideboard, but nothing crazy here. And wrapping it up, we have another mono black coffers list. Uh, three sheltered in this one with four bowmasters. The spell suite looks pretty similar. A little more on the four of, so like four fatal push, four knights whisper, four sheltered edict, four thought sees, but still tons of removal, tons of interaction. Three one rings. Sideboard looks almost the same. Uh, we do have some different choices in like your heavy hitters, but mostly the same in the sideboard. Uh, land suite looks pretty so much the same as well. Every format has a Karn deck, right? Pretty much, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for standard, it's not legal. Yeah, I know, but like yeah, every format where he's legal has like a prominent card. Yeah, deck. he's really fucking good. So metagame summary. Seven Rakdos midrange. Now, none of them made it to the top eight, but seven made it to the top 32. One made 20, it to ninth. <laughs> 22%. Uh, four is it Merktide lists for uh, Omnath lists, and it looks like Rakdos mid. Sorry to interrupt. Rakdos midrange looks like it just lost on tiebreakers. Oh, the, rough. Uh, mono black coffers eight and one. Rakdos midrange also eight and one. Yep, rough. Uh, Emma Titan coffers and Yogmoth brought home three. Hardened scales and burn brought home two. Twiddlestorm, oops, all spells, crashing footfalls, and hammer time brought home one. And there's so few. There's we'll the whole list. That's all of them. <laughs> Most played cards, Orcish Bowmasters, 41%, uh, Fury, Lightning Bolt, The One Ring, and Chalice of the Void. Top creatures, Orcish Bowmasters, Fury, Ragavan Grief, Dothy, Voidwalker, and your top spells, Lightning Bolt, The One Ring, Chalice of the Void, Thought Seas, and Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Alrighty, Matt, we bring the I episode to an end. I have one more thing to say about Modern. Is there anything else you would like to talk about this week? Briefly, very briefly. Think about how fucking good. Look at this. Look at this most played cards. How fucking good is Lightning Bolt? <laughs> like everything else has been printed. Almost everything else has been printed in the past two years. And Lightning Bolt's, you know what? Alpha, Fuck you guys. Al Alpha All-Star. <laughs> I'm the OG. Yep. I cost one red and I still fuck your shit up. <laughs> yep. 100%. <laughs> like yeah, Orcish Bolt. Fury. The One Ring. Thought Seize. Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt. So as we bring this episode to an end, I remind everybody to check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel to uh, send us your questions for episode 100 coming up in a couple weeks or a month or something like that. Uh, we'll be having a answer questions episode and having a pretty big announcement. I'm excited to talk to you guys about 
Uh, if you want to hit us up, cantripcartel at gmail.com, cantripcartel on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Nope. And I think we will see you guys, fingers crossed, next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. Episode's long enough. We're cutting it. Lightning bolt. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time. They're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers cross the sylvan libraries, where when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground, nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound Allosaurus, shepherd danced on dinosaurs, stopping grounds Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found Through their visions, thou and serum, they saw only for how To convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled To draw every single card with the cantrip cartel Draw cards with the cantrip cartel Draw cards with the Cantrip Cartel.